Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Cheers, buddy. Did we not have the like the most Joe Rogan morning of all time? Jiu-jitsu at 6 a.m., fresh venison by 8 a.m., coffee and now podcasting. Yeah. It's like a... Checking boxes. Checking boxes. Anyway, Katie, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. couple things. I texted you this, but I wanted to talk about it because one of the things that I really like about listening to other people and, and having conversations with people about is the change in your life for the better. So one thing I've noticed in your life is A, you've cut out alcohol completely. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I kind of watched you over on Instagram, right? Yep. And just watched you better yourself. Watching you better yourself has been inspiring for me. And that's when I texted you. I said, I was really proud of you because mm-hmm. I saw you go through that transition and part of me was excited for you. Part of me was envious of you. Because when you get into that new rhythm, because it takes six months to a year to get into a new rhythmic and a, ru- a new type of thinking. I changed everything. What did you, so everything. What did you change? It started with just how I look at myself. Like not just how you look at life, but like, mm-hmm. no, what's my role in life? What's my, the relationships I have with, and this applies to everyone, right? So every relationship you have, you have a relationship with your dog. You have a relationship with friends, family, loved ones. You have a relationship with a job. You have a relationship with money. You have a relationship with your home. What's the common denominator in every single one of those relationships? The relationship you have with yourself because you're bringing yourself into life. I've always been like super introspective, almost to the point where it's like paralyzing, like overanalyze myself and, oh, you know, you spend too much time thinking, not enough time doing. So the biggest thing for me was to time to start doing things. I wanted to improve things like how I deal with stress, how I deal with anxiety, how I deal with fear, things that everyone experiences. We just all deal with them differently. And I'm like, all right, over the years, I've been doing a lot of progressive things for myself to improve on. And it was like, all right, let's get into overdrive. Uh, Let's take more control over how we eat, how we move, exercise, movement. I had gotten real stagnant from working too much. And then it was like, all right, what other things are coming in from the outside? What decisions am I making that don't align with the goals I have? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a year off from alcohol. Boom. And that was a big one because it's like, well, you know, I socially drank. Mm-hmm. And some of the people I was around drank. So how can I challenge myself really, really hard on some willpower stuff? And, oh, cool. I'll, I'll just add that to the list. So there was a lot of things that were changing. So you just looked at your life and you were like, I could do better. Oh, yeah. And then you started kicking things out of your life that slowed you down yeah that didn't line up with the goal so what was your goal if if my goal is to be healthier by whatever uh multiple metrics that we might use on that you know how do you feel how do you sleep body composition you know all all those different things that we can check off and what does healthy mean if that's what you want because you know how it improves the way you feel focus outlook on things what are you doing that doesn't add that doesn't contribute to that and quite honestly 
is contradictory to that. It's not congruent. Is all of your behavior congruent with the things that you say you want, which is a more enjoyable experience every day of life, sleeping better, feeling better, some shifts and some projects and some things I want to do with Socratic canine. And like professionally, like what am I offering to the world? What am I offering to the community? How can I bring the best version of myself to that project, to that goal? And so if things aren't adding up to that, if they're not congruent to achieving that, I need to start working on not doing them and then replace them with more things that are congruent to that. Mm -hmm. And as a dog trainer, it's easy to get into cycle. Well, I think anybody, right? Like you get, you work hard. Anybody. You own your own business. It's easy to get in. So I've had this, um, I actually want to get like this, uh, I want to get a new tattoo. It's like a, it's the, the Phoenix, like the bird, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of like recycles itself, constantly reinventing themselves constantly. Mm-hmm. And I think as a person, I've gone through these cycles too. So it's really cool, motivating, inspiring, all the things to see somebody else go through it. And it's nice that you shared your journey and you continue to share your journey because it's, you're kind of holding yourself accountable, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time. Well, that's how it started. Like some of the posts on Instagram, because I mean, you know, you and I are both on Instagram a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a necessity. And I changed the vibe. So I changed the way I interact with the app. Mm. Um, some of it was for my own uh, mental health reasons. Like, am I interacting with these tools that, yeah, they're work-related, but am I interacting with them in the most responsible way for myself? Or am I doom scrolling? Or am I getting caught up and losing time? Um, so that had me revisit how I even use social media as a whole and how I use that app. I've always been partial to Instagram personally. Mm. Like that, that's right. You know, all the live videos I used to do, I still mm. do. Like I am comfortable on Instagram. So I was like, why don't I just take my stories and show people what I'm doing? That isn't just like, oh, look at my client or look at my student. Look at this dog. Oh, here's me with a dog. Like, you know, my work with my clients isn't (laughs) getting less and less about their dogs and more and more about helping them. So why not share the things I do to help myself? Mm -hmm. I'm going through the same journey. I'm just, all right, I'm a couple steps ahead here, a couple steps behind there. Let me show you where it's hard. Let me show you where the winds are. And let's just see what happens. One, accountability. But then I started getting the feedback and the messages. From like clients and stuff? Some are from clients, like people who already are, I've worked with in the past or in the present that are in my coaching program, um, even other dog trainers that I work with, um, which I've been doing a lot more of that lately, is dog trainers wanting help with not just their business, but like getting everything else together so they're bringing a better version of themselves to their business. Like they're like, God, how do I do paid advertising? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I don't do that. Hire that guy. Like, I can't help you with that. Mm-hmm. But that burnout that you're teetering on that line, like, I can help you with that. And so I started just putting the stuff that I do every day, my daily promises. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the evenings I was, I, I'm changing some things up right now, but I'd share my debrief at the end of the day. This is what I do every day. When I wake up, here are the challenges I set for myself. Here's what I did in the evening. Like, I rate my day. How was it? And I figured, why not just put it up there? Mm. And people are like, thank you. You gave me an idea for this. I never thought to do that. Or you just reminded me to do this. Thank you for sharing that. I was just like, okay, I guess I'll keep doing it. (laughs) It's great. I personally love seeing it. And I'm really happy for you genuinely because being so passionate about something like dog training, working with dogs, working with clients, it's so easy to get burnt out quick. 
because we do the same stuff over and over again. Like a lot of other professionals have a redundant mm-hmm. um, time frame in their day, I guess. They clock in, they clock out. But they're not as passionate as we are. Like you go to work at, I don't know, a mill or something. They're like, yeah, this is a job. It's not my place to say it's a good job or a bad job, but they're like, they're not, they may be not passionate about it. But in the dog world, we tend to just give our souls to, I made a post or I did a post the other day about dog, you, you kind of touched on it there a little bit about changing your vibe, changing your branding almost, changing like how you present information, what you allow around you, what you allow to seep into your brain. I think it's really important to talk about something I talk about in this podcast. So I I bring a lot of dog trainers on, particularly dog trainers that I've worked with in the past. Most of them, we've never trained dogs together, right? We've just had this mutual relationship and understanding and respect for one another. And that's all I need to sit down and have a conversation with, but kind of cleaning house. And I think that that's really important because I did the same thing. I was guilty of that, like getting into, you called it death scrolling. Doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. Just going and going. Yeah. And in the beginning of my career, I used to get into that a lot where I would have just arguments with people I didn't know, you know, about just silly things. And that's a really easy way to burn yourself out. I took it home. I took it to bed with me. I took it in the morning with me, enjoyable times with my son, enjoyable times with my wife. I would be thinking about that comment of like, man, like. That's real life, man. If they only knew the realities of, and it could have been as simple as Mm -hmm. the maybe objective opinion on positive punishment versus negative punishment or whatever, whatever, something stupid. Anything. 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 That's where I changed up a lot in my life. I just, I went, and I zoomed all the way out. And one thing Gary V, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. speaker, probably know him, right? He said is he's like, think about the worst case scenario that could happen today. And he goes very dark. He's like, think about your significant other, your partner getting into a car accident or something. And now think about your day. And he's like, how bad is it really? Or how does that comment really make you feel? And you're like, oh shit, it's really, this really it doesn't matter. So I started with that. And then what I started doing is I started realizing that I, we're probably going to talk about jujitsu a lot in this podcast, but it's kind of, it'll come up. It's kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like getting your, your arm tied behind your back as you're trying to do something mm-hmm. with this arm. And I'm like, so every every time I got into these little battles, I'd be like this, and then I'd be coming back to play. So people would be like, hey, I need your help. i start working with them, and this person would come up, boop, and I'd be like, all right, hold on, I got to And so I just felt like I was wasting my time, but it's really important for anybody out there that's on social media in general. I don't care if you make candles or you're a dog trainer. What you did is you, and, and maybe I'm, I don't know for sure. But it seems like you realize the things that were slowing you down, robbing your happiness. And you started like with your health, you just started change. You just made the decision not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. That and it, it is that simple. It's like some people might say, wow, he oversimplified. No, no. Like I'm not just trying to confirm an oversimplification here. Like a lot of things people overthink 
And that's why action seems so difficult. Like taking action on things for many people is very difficult for several reasons. One of them is it's just that the fear of the change because doing something better is also the same as doing something different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not what you're currently doing. So that makes it different. And different is tough, especially when you don't change. know what it looks like. Yeah. And, and some people could say, who wouldn't want things to be better? Well, no, we do want things to be better. That's why we're changing. However, the challenges that are found in that process are oftentimes directly tied to just, well, I don't even know what that looks like because I've never done it. I don't know what this is going to feel like because I haven't felt it before, but I know it's worth the sacrifice. And when it's worth it enough, you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we're not going to go on the side quest right now, but you know, motivation versus discipline. Mm-hmm. Like man, that motivation stuff, man, it, it's overrated. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, it's, it's, it happens when it's not there. And it's short lived usually. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I want this. And you kind of start working for it. And then you get hit with adversity or, a challenge and you're like mm. switch gears yeah nowhere in the process of relying on motivation solely do you learn how to deal with when there isn't any and it's an inevitability that there will be moments where there is none mm-hmm. so if you're participating in a system or a series of behaviors that do not even resemble or account for or identify the very real scenarios you're going to be in what's the point of doing it mm-hmm. so focus on discipline i'm not going to do this anymore I am going to do, I'm big on replace, um, add versus subtract. Mm-hmm. So before I started cutting things out, I started adding things, adding good habits, adding good movements, adding new routines. Didn't worry about subtracting anything. This was over the course of like well over a year of the, the, the newest, okay, here's what we're going to work on. Here's our new like five-year project. Mm-hmm. And it started with adding things. Is that where you would look at five years? Like you, because everybody has a different time frame. It's kind of like a, a goal threshold, if you will. For me, it was, so I just, what, 2023, I turned 45. So I would say end of 2022 is when I started really thinking about some different things, mm-hmm. like doing some things differently, mm-hmm. saying, okay, coming up on 45, not that it, I put any significance into the number, it's just like, hey, five plus 45 is 50, I get a nice round number. Hey, why don't we start looking at some five-year goals here? Sure. Why don't we start looking at like, where do I want to be at 50? Okay, now let's do an audit of what I'm currently doing. It's no different than when you go do an evaluation for a dog and their owner. You find out what the owner wants. You look at everything going on, everything going on. You do an audit of it and you build from there. Mm -hmm. You let them know, like we start talking about those wants. We start talking about needs that they weren't aware of. We start helping them see a different perspective. Mm -hmm. You got to do that for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you get over the the do like the doom scrolling and stuff? Because that's that's such a problem, especially with the generation younger than us, younger than me. You know the the, the kids I call them. You know that are in their twenties. I set a timer on my cell phone. Mm. Like you know how when you go in your phone, you have like you can have multiple alarms. You can just save like sure. as many as you want. Um, it'll also like remember if you type in fifteen seconds on a timer. And, you can, and it'll just remember that. And you can go right into your phone. And unless you set it differently, it'll be set at that. So I set rules for myself and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Mm-hmm. On when I pick up my phone, I have two phones. I'm a big advocate of having two cell phones, especially for dog trainers. Big advocate for two phones. Like this. Yep. So that's one thing I did too. Is- my, my personal one is off in the side of the studio, yeah. turned off. 
Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to say that to, to everybody that's on the listening to this right now, watching this right now. One of the biggest things. It's a big I, deal. Well, because you, it's so addicting and easy as you're waiting in line for your coffee, as you're getting into the elevator, as you're waiting in line to board a plane to just get that like quick fix. And for me, call it what you want, but I may be emotional or I don't know. I, I know that I have a lot of empathy and I don't mean that as a, like I'm complimenting myself because to be honest, it kind of sucks. Anyone who understands what you mean realizes that it's a burden and they, like, they won't take it that way. Okay, I am good. one of them. <laughs> it is not a gift. It is a curse. It is. Cause you just go around trying to make every genuinely, you want everybody to be happy. And you, you want the green it, mile. Yes. You know how the dude absorbed everyone's. Yes. Life? Okay. I, I use that analogy now. Apparently, I'm getting old because people are like, "What? Oh yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that movie." Well, in that, that's classic. Sorry to interrupt, but like, that's oh. what you're talking about. He takes all, yes. and then it's like, ah, yeah, man, that's a good. I never thought about that. That's a great movie. That's what I'm here for. Do you block people? Oh my goodness, yes. See, oh, I, <laughs> I block people. So I have a couple. So, couple things. Let me just go down the roadmap that helped me create a better space for me. Let's do it as well as you. One of the things I did is I got a separate phone because it doesn't, it costs 10 extra dollars a month for, and there's no service on it. So I can only use that phone when I'm at work, when there's Wi Fi, at home when there's Wi Fi, because I found myself constantly, like if it was on my actual phone where I'd be taking calls, FaceTiming my son or texting or whatever, sending business emails, I, I would just hit Instagram, hit TikTok, hit YouTube, whatever. And then you'd just get into that like, and you'd see one comment. You'd be Because selfishly, you'd be like, all the good stuff. Yay, great video, great. Oh, this is awesome. And then you'd see this one person that's like, this is bullshit. And you're like, oh, really? Let me see, you know, and you just, you have this, I don't know. So anyway, I did another cell phone, has all my apps on it, all my work apps, and then I'm very, I am very disciplined currently because you have these like almost relapses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't in a long time, but I've been posting and ghosting, right? And then I have an employee that will help with certain aspects of my socials. My wife hel- helps me with aspects of our socials. And then I will obviously make the content and push the content, right? And then I, I leave, but I just tell them, block anybody that comes onto my page to have an argument with me and to have an argument with other people who don't agree with them. I don't mind people asking. See, that's the thing is people will be like, oh, you're blocking people because you're afraid. I'm, I'm blocking people because I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting my community. I'm protecting myself from a selfish individual who's just trying to prove their point versus see maybe uh, an objective opinion or an objective situation. doesn't matter why. And it doesn't. Because my criteria for blocking is going to be different. What is yours? yours. Um, First and foremost, you know, if someone comes on with some like incredible evil hostility, which anyone who's involved in the dog world on social media knows, like you get some rough stuff. Mm -hmm. You come out and start talking about violent acts and threatening people. You're just gone. Like I'm just not doing that on my page. Because guess what? It's my page. Exactly. I am, and I take a lot of responsibility for what takes place on my page. Mm -hmm. So like my behavior in comment sections, and I'm speaking for the most part on Instagram, um, Facebook, the way I behave on there is 
different. I don't have as many issues. Different platform. Um, and I don't have as many traction. When I have a post getting 3 million views, that, w- that was some lessons I had to learn. Mm-hmm. When some of my reels started getting into the millions, whoa, you talk about having to learn how to manage your time appropriately because every time you open up, there's 100 comments. And I felt this, I was torn because I felt like this responsibility to manage that comment section. Mm. And I felt this responsibility because like, like the posts that were getting really big or like I'll do a remix of something involving dog behavior and then I superimpose myself and I just point out, usually it's like, hey, another episode of just because its tail is wagging doesn't mean it's friendly. And I'm trying to educate people on a myth that so many people believe and can absolutely get someone hurt or a dog far worse. Mm. So like, I'm going to make this post. Now I feel responsible for the comments. So the comments are coming in and people are sharing incredible misinformation or they're getting incredibly hostile. Believe it or not, that makes people, anytime you challenge a position that someone has an emotional attachment to, they're going to have an emotional reaction. Um, So that involves saying some pretty rough stuff that, I mean, I think a lot of people wouldn't even believe me if I told you the DMs in the comments. So now I have this poll to babysit the comment section. So if you get super hostile, like threatening people, you're gone. Um, I don't mind a little bit of back and forth because I, I think I'm not trying to convince the person I'm going with two things. One, you never know who's going to read it. And if someone presents an argument that is a common position, however inaccurate, however passionate they are about it, I want to at least try right now to respond like, hey, I understand how you think that way. It's actually a common misconception. Blah, 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 blah. Check this video out. Check this out. Boom, 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 boom. Like just mm-hmm. something for the other person who reads it mm-hmm. that we don't even know exists because they don't, they're not engaged. They're not touching anything. But I've had to try to manage that poll to want to make sure everything's like smooth. And there is a point where you just kind of learn to let go. Um, and I let probably more happen on my comments than, than you might. I don't have the volume though. So I can like the traffic, it's all, I have my systems in place. I have my timer. I'm only going to be in the phone for, you know, 90 seconds right now, two minutes later. And I just mm-hmm. do the best I can. Does that make sense though? Like th- mm-hmm. and I'm, st- I'm still working that out by the way. I'm still redefining like how I am going as I, as I grow on Instagram in particular, finding that balance of how ethically responsible am I for what complete strangers say and put out there on my page and how much of it is, Hey man, it comes with the territory. Exactly. It's a gray area and it's, no one talks about it. It's hard. Yeah. We should just talk about it. <laughs> so I had this, I've been doing this shelter thing. So this kind of relates to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Been doing this shelter thing where I'm at a point in my career where I can, on all levels, up and leave, go help dogs that need it the most. The reason why I don't work with shelters regularly is because I have a lot of bills to pay. I have 15 people that are responsible for the things that I do and the clients that I bring in and they have bills and they have kids and right, I have employees, I have a house. We all run a business, right? So the reason why I'm saying that is because people will be like, I wish people... I wish people would do this more often, more dog trainers. I'm like, it's not, it's, it costs you money. It costs thousands and thousands of dollars to go out and do this. We did four shelters or no, three shelters. No, we're doing four. We're doing another one um, next month Mm -hmm. and it costs a little over $8,000 just for us to do the shelters. Right. And that's a lot of money. And so 
I'm doing more of them because I can now and I feel comfortable doing it. I'm also in a headspace now that I feel confident that I can do it and it's not going to ruin my life because there was a point in time where I wasn't as mentally headstrong and comfortable as I am now, mm-hmm. confident as a man, a uh, person, a human. I was I had a really hard time with dogs that needed help because I just wanted to go to every single one. Right? It's that empathy thing. Mm-hmm. Every dog I s- saw behind the kennel, I wanted to go say, give me that dog, let me show you. Give me that dog, let me show you. I, I couldn't walk into a shelter because I knew, you know how this feels. You have an innate gift and a passion and a skill set for helping that animal behind the bars. And this dog doesn't have a home. And you know that you can make a difference, but you can't. You can't help them all, right? So it's hard for me. It'd be hard for you, I'm sure. But I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? I want to create content around helping dogs. I want to help people help dogs, so on and so forth. So the synergy just kind of lined up. Anyway, I go out and do this thing. And I go to a couple shelters and God bless them, right? Everybody that works in a shelter, I don't care if you love me or you hate me or you never heard from me. You're, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing regardless, right? But, you know, I went to a couple shelters and it ruffled some feathers, mainly because I operate with punishment in my life, with discipline in my life, with structure, with boundaries in my life. Go figure, all the dogs that are in these shelters are lacking that, right? So anyway, I go there, ruffled some feathers of a couple different shelters I work with. And, and I'm like, again, I'm a very emotional, empathetic person to a degree. I have this off switch where I just become numb. You That's can't, a good thing. You can't touch me. You can't reach me. It's kind of scary. I guess it's a good thing, but I know when to turn that on or off where you just like darts are coming in. I'm like, tink, tink, mm-hmm. tink, tink. I walk right through it. But most times I go in and I'm like, hey guys, I just want to, I just want to help. And there are some people that are like, oh my God, you are a sight for sore eyes. We have dogs that have been here for 300, 400 days. They need help so bad and we just don't know what to do. And then there's other people that are like, oh, that's that guy I saw on Mirror. I don't even know him. They don't know me. They just know that I operate with balance. Mm-hmm. If we will, if we can call it that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, it's been an emotional, weird feeling because I go in very insecure. Here's a guy that flies around the world doing seminars, right, for a living. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. <laughs> right? For a living at a, at, a, at a very professional level. It's my mm-hmm. career now. I get... Just an incredible journey that I've had in my dog training career. I've worked my ass off for the last decade, and now I'm at a point where I'm like really uh, you know, talking about jujitsu. I want to talk about that in a minute, how it's really helped me reflect on my career and really almost made me emotional about I've, for the first time in my life, I got to see what I've actually done in my career. The mm-hmm. first, I'm always so hard on myself. I'm like, I have nothing. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Anyway, so I do all this for a living, right? It's my job. Like I'm a professional at it, right? And I go to a shelter to offer my services that would normally cost thousands of dollars. And I'm like, hey guys, um, if you if you I because I don't like if there's dogs that are like, you know, I'm not the guy that goes to the bar or goes to the patio or the beer garden that sees these dogs barking that goes over and goes. You need you guys need help with this. I'm a dog. I don't. I'm not that guy. I'm very my hood's on. I'm like, I don't see anything. When I go out, I don't want people to know. I don't want exactly. people to know what I do. I talk like, about it. I just whatever. Anyway, so I go to the shelter and I'm like, um, if you guys want my help, I'm here, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, thank you for being here, right? And so it's this weird thing of 
inse- it brings me to insecurities too, where I'm like, because you have to, you have to train in a very hard, the probably the hardest situation to train in. Dogs are been there for even a month is too long. They're already gone mm-hmm. mentally, physically. You know, they're not eating well. If they're eating, they're not eating good food for the most part. They're not getting structure. Um, Anyway, the dogs are not in a good space and I have to go in and do this thing, but I'm really like, all right, it's challenging each time. And I feel insecure. And it's like really been, I guess, helpful for me because normally when I go in, there's a hundred people that line up in different cities in Australia and the UK and all these different places. And I'm just, I do my thing. I know that people paid to see me. They, they know that I know what I'm doing because they follow the work that I've done. I don't have to prove myself. But sometimes when I walk in shelters, when people are like, and I get it because there's this role that they have to play to protect their image. They have a board, they have insurance. Who's this guy? Oh, he, trust me. Oh, he's, oh, he's a dog trainer. Yeah. He's really okay. Like I get that because. I'm sure they've heard that before. Exactly. It's a hundred percent it. So I have this really weird uh, relationship with some shelters when I go in and I'm kind of like, everyone there is a dog trainer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I go in and I'm like, I can, I really want to help. What can I do? Right. And it's this weird feeling of like small. And normally it's not like that for me. Normally it's the spotlight and the cameras and the pictures and the autographs. And it's this whole thing. And it's a completely different scenario. So when I go in, I feel really small and I'm like I just want to help what dogs can we get out and then I start working and I start grooving and it's a beautiful thing I talked about this in a podcast before it's very sad it's like the it's like a tragedy because these dogs some of the dogs that I get out oh this is there's a dog named Aster that we worked with in in the DC area she's reactive she's insecure she's um, she doesn't really like new people, but she can play with new dogs, I'll show you a video. And this dog was like super, super reactive and, and all the stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I literally work this dog for, I'm not even exaggerating. So super like, like a, yep, I remember seeing that dog. Right stories. Yeah. yeah. So really reactive, right? Yep. Pulling reacting dog has been there since she was like almost like be in, in her puppyhood right yeah she's, oh yeah so she's been young so she's reacting she's pulling on the leash she's she's doing all this stuff i put a star mark collar plastic pinch collar yeah. on because i needed i need more safe control and i'm i'm selling this story because i want people to understand the tragedy the sincerity take me out of the picture put you in there put anybody else in there mm-hmm Dog's been there for a long time, right? Rawr, 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 barking, reacting, comes out, barks at people, barks at dogs, but then goes and plays with dogs. I'm like, that's an easy one. Let me see that. Let me see that. So we get out, have the dog. Wow. Wow. Once we create a little yep. relationship, she's good with me. Yep. Typical terrier. Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. She's barking. She's lunging. She's barking. So they're, they're like, this is, this is it. This is the real problem, right? Okay. Put a star mark collar on, which gives me more control, safer control, not control because I want to control the dog, but it gives me a safer control. So she's, she's able to think and listen. So I let her walk out and I just stop and she self-corrects and she turns around and she, 
Shuri's back to me like this. She's like, oh, what the hell was that? I don't know. What was it? That's what I'm thinking. You know, in my head, I'm like, hey, pay attention to me a little bit. So I walk one way. Just do a little tune-up. Yep. Walk one way. I say, Aster, come. She goes, comes to me. I'm like, yes, good girl. Nice job. I do it again. And I go, that's it. We're in. I go, see those three dogs? The same dogs you just react. And I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. Real time, maybe 45 seconds. I'm not exaggerating. Am I right, Abby? I walk out past the dog she just reacted to, past the dog walking up, and then another dog. And I come back and everyone's floored. There's a part of me that's like excited, but there's a bigger part of me that's just depressed and upset. I'm only smiling, dude, because I know exactly. Like I'm, I'm with you. Like you're, you're painting the picture, and I'm feeling it because we've all been there. Oh. Where you are happy, you're getting goosebumps. Even sometimes when you see that dog check in with you, you know they give you that little check in the, when you're setting that initial first impression, and the dog experiences a little bit of something that it's not hasn't had, but it's been craving and wanting in its life. And then when that dog looks at you and alters their perspective on the on the environment around them, you're like, but you also go, dang, and you were here for that long, and all it would have took was someone like. Mm-hmm. No, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. Or people shouldn't be struggling with you because they're like, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, it. it was every dog though. Like every dog that we pulled out for the most part. Here's the thing. I love podcasting because it allows us to give context because in that video, there's no con. It's subjective to what the context is because you mm-hmm. can argue, be like, oh, why did the dog feel after? So, that part, and I'm, you can check it on my Instagram. That particular dog came out like this. I self-corrected the dog once. She turned around. She kind of was like, oh, crap, what was that? Hey, just maybe pay attention to me. I got the leash. Like, we're good. And you can almost see her go. And she starts to look around. She's walking with me. Good girl. She's walking with me. I'm paying her with food. She's like, Yes. She comes back and everyone around was like, and here's the thing. And this is the heart. This is where, this is where dog, tra- and I used to get, this is where dog trainers would get a big ego, right? And I used to get really pumped up about this until I started realizing and researching what egos were because I didn't know. And you got to check your ego because everyone has one. Yeah. It's and the relationship sp- that you have with it that matters. Exactly. You're supposed to have one. It keeps you safe. It keeps you, there's, a, there's reasons to have it, but it's easy for it to go overboard and then you just look like an idiot, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is where your ego, this is where I learned. So before I'd be like, look how good I am. That, that was me maybe seven years ago. Wow, I must be really good at, this was when I was 22, 23, whatever it was, right? In my early, early careers of training, between 22 and 25. I'm like, I must be really good. All these people, they did all the... And then, so anyway, my point is, is everyone was jaw dropped. And now because of my growth, I've been able to say, no, no, this is, I'm not good. This is not even good training. This is fundamentally basic training that every animal probably, specifically with canines, domesticated canines, the dogs that we live with need. And this dog has never gotten it. So don't look at me like I'm a magician or I'm good because I came all the way here and you guys maybe saw me on TV once or whatever. That's not. That's just part of the role, right? I didn't do anything cool here. 
I gave the dog one check on the leash to say, hey, pay attention to me instead. And the dog did it itself. I didn't correct the dog at all, right? Then we tuned back up and they were all jaw dropped. I go, guys, and so she comes up and she puts her, you know, chest to my chest and she's, and there's another dog that she was just reacting to. It's all on video, just reacting to her tail's going. She's looking around and she's looking at the other dogs. Their tail's going, right? And I'm like, I'm happy because I want them to see how easy it is to change a dog's life with the change of the training, right? So they, there's the guy in the video actually said at the end, and God bless any volunteer, right? But the guy at the end of the video is like, four minutes with the right person, you get a completely different dog. I said, yeah, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. I said, I'm sickened and saddened that not particularly in this shelter, mm-hmm. shelters. Concept at large. Concept at large that there's people who gatekeep their ideologies. That dog in the shelter is there because of other people's ideologies. They, they maybe weren't comfortable or allowed to add a collar that could be aversive to the dog. And I don't want to get into the politics of that. All I'm saying is at a very big blanket here, generally, the dog needed one boundary check and then she took a deep breath and thought. And I guided her. I held her hand. Hey, she looked at the dog. She looked back at me. Yes, good girl. And it doesn't, terriers don't take much to get them from here to here mm-hmm. on either ax, you know, spectrum. Going back to what we were talking about originally who got me into this conversation, you could tell the pressure and the, the conflict between these particular shelter workers that were working with me and watching and asking questions, right? And I'm, I'm applauding them. I'm like, use me. Ask me any question, no stupid questions. I am here for you and I'm here for these dogs, but let's get one thing straight. I'm not training these dogs. These dogs aren't trained. I'm showing you guys and the world via Instagram and other social media platforms what these dogs are capable of in the right hands. Because if you can show people what dogs are capable of, that's really where you start making changes. Because I'm there for a day. These dogs aren't trained. I can show you really quickly what a professional can do in the right hands. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, that's the capability of the dog. So, you know, and so here's the kicker is why you have to do that in the first place. So I completely agree with you in terms of the mission of that type of energy expenditure. The Mm -hmm. mission is, yeah, guys, this dog isn't fixed because he really wasn't broken in the first place. I'm not going to go there. But like... I'm showing you what he's capable of, right? So why do you have to do that? Because one of the many conditions in our current culture that is making it tough on dogs is the normalization of inappropriate, dangerous, frustrating, stressful, anxious behavior in dogs. So you're having to show people that what the dog is capable of and by your admission, by my uh, validation of that, because I agree with you, like that's a low bar. Like we're just, it just, it's just a little boundary. Like this is actually nothing fancy, and they're they're like, whoa, because the opposite has been normalized. 
having a dog that you cannot control, having a dog that does whatever it wants, whenever it wants. People are just like, well, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's why it's part of having a dog and, you know, but I love them. So I deal with it. Mm. And we're like, well, wait a minute. I love dogs too. I love my dogs too. I love your dogs too. Guess what? It doesn't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. Like it can be way better, you know? And so we're now having to show people the bare minimum. Like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like that Mm -hmm. because we got to a place where people just thought that's the way it is. Where if you go 50 years ago, that wouldn't have been tolerated. That wouldn't have been socially acceptable. That would have been outrageous. Let me tell you something. That's very interesting. That should really paint a picture with what we're really dealing with. I go on Instagram. I go, hey, shelter people. I'm ready. I'm going to hit the road. I don't care where it is. Like, it's not efficient. We went to, like, all these different states, and it's not efficient. I just want to help. I just Mm want to go there. I want to create content. I want to help other people. And one of the things after they, they said, hey, come, yeah, yeah, come come out, right? And, and that, that's the thing. It's hard because people are just tagging all the shelters in the world, all the rescues. I'm like, guys, I don't, I just want to know somebody that can get me into the door and I don't have to go around red tape. Mm-hmm. Not because it's not important because I want shelters to have gatekeepers. I don't want people to be able to just walk in and grab dogs because it could be deadly to them. But I want the people who know who I am and the, the work that I've done to just say, hey, this guy wants to come in, let's let him in. And they've done that. And I'm really grateful for that because that's huge, getting your foot in the door. There's been shelters even around here locally that people, I would offer this this program. We used to offer the No Bad Dogs program. It got to a point that I was taking dogs out of the shelter, working with them for a day, changing things, right? That they've been there for a long time. The dogs would then go back. The volunteers would go back with, oh my God, you should have seen this. It was amazing. This dog, the Chloe, the couple dogs that we worked with. Then the volunteers that trained a little bit differently were so upset that that was happening that they went to the board and they kept saying, "We." so local shelters, people don't know about this, but local shelters would have to bring dogs to me through the back door at night to work with me, to make change because they didn't want to disrupt the board because people on the board didn't agree. Yep. It's frightening. That's real world. So for people listening, like this isn't isolated. It's crazy. So then that night they brought me out and they said, thank you so much. Like amazing, just beautiful people. Sometimes I may look like I don't know what's going on. I always, I'm very, I'm part of like being a good dog trainer, I think, is I, I know about everything in the room. I'm very like, I can read the room really well, really well. It's one good thing I have is I can just sit there and listen, watch body language, talk, and I can just, and some of it is anxiety. Some of it's not real. I see somebody doing something. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. And sometimes it's not that. But one of the things that they asked me is I could tell that there were people upset that I was there that obviously weren't sitting down having dinner with me. And one of the things they asked me is I can tell the frustration, but they didn't want to tell me because they, they knew what I was mm-hmm. doing and they really appreciated it, but they didn't want to like damp or anything, but I already knew <laughs> that's just part of it. Right. And that's, that's, I'm at that point in my life where I can handle that mm-hmm. now without getting emotional and be like, why me? I, I'm, I just helped a dog. Like, nah. It used to be like that. Now I'm not, I'm like, oh, I get it. They said, how do you deal with that? And I said, this is the reason why I'm telling you this story is because it goes back to just starting to have a better understanding. And this really helped me, as I said, because the reality is, is the people who actually matter really don't care in my world. 
And what that means is the dog owners don't care about the politics of dog training. So our clients, the general population with dogs who are out of control, do not care or know that there's even politics in dog training. They're not looking it up. Very rarely does somebody come into my facility ready to pay me and my staff money and say, I've heard great things about you. I see all the good reviews, this, that, and the other thing. How? Very rarely. They're just like, please, for the love of God, take my money. Their dog's climbing all over them. They're growling. They at, need help. They're growling they at the train. They're like, Rrr. yeah, exactly. And the, the husband's like, God, please, just where do we sign up? Two weeks? I can't get in for two. They don't care. And I looked at her and I said, the reality is, is once I realized that the dog training politics at large, this is going to sound sad because the dogs in the shelters get killed for this, literally, Mm -hmm. but at large, they don't care. My clients don't care. The people, the dog owners, think about it. When you want to learn, like if I want to learn better jujitsu, I want to learn better water tasting or better whatever, I'm just going, I'm like, yep, that's cool. I like that. Now that doesn't make sense to me. Yep, that's cool. I'm just going through what I like and what I don't like. What makes sense to me versus what doesn't. Now, the only time that dog training politics outside of rules and regulations, because rules and regulations in in politics of dog training isn't by dog owners. Again, it's by dog trainers. It's by radical left and right and whatever. It's the dog trainers that are pushing the envelope. It's not the dog owners. So I looked at her and I said, I've realized in my life that the people who pay my bills and the people who are coming for me for information that want to learn don't care about it. And that's, so it's 90-10, maybe even Mm 95-5. Like the 95% of the general population have a problem. They go home, think about this. They come home from work, they work their butt off, they're tired, the kids are screaming, they need dinner, they just came home from karate, they're going to basketball, they're going to dance, they're going to, they got all this stuff going on, their husband's stressed at work, and then the dog's not coming back when called, the dog's humping their guests, the dog's scratching guests, the dog's pulling them on a walk, and they're on Google as they're getting dragged, looking up a dog trainer in their area, Mm -hmm. and they set up a consult, and they come in, they're like, sure, yeah, that, that sounds great, when can we start? And then they go through training. And it either works or it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, they usually just go, like, we walk into a restaurant and I'm like, I don't like the smell in here. We go to another place. We're not going to, we're not going to talk about like, man, like, no, they don't care. Once I've made that switch up here, and this is, and again, you know, at scale, I've made a lot of content and I've, I've taken a lot of feedback. I've taken a lot of criticism. I've learned. I'm a student. I'm always a student. But once I realized that it really doesn't, the dog owners who are looking for information that want help are going to find it. And it's not about politics. What percentage ballpark, just conversational um, of your clients, you're their at least second, it's probably more likely third trainer. A lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, a same, lot same here. outside of puppy people. Correct. And even then it's, it's people who had a dog before did something and then has a puppy wants to change, change it up. So 
Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of the clients that we work with are typically people that come from other camps, especially our out-of-state program. So we call it like, I'm going to start calling it like a transformation because people get confused. They're like, well, I'm in Long Island. I'm not really out of state. I'm like, okay, okay, never mind. (laughs) You know, or they're from Manhattan. Mm -hmm. We call it an out-of-state because normally they're from out of the state, but now we're going to call it like the three-day transformational thing. But yeah, it's usually, usually from other camps, not necessarily one side or the other, it's just from another camp. Yep. They tried something that didn't work really quick to throw it in. The reason why it didn't work is because the owners didn't get coached on what to do right. That's besides the point. So anyway, then I got a comment from this person. And I want to I want to say this to you because I think you're really good about, I like listening to you, your, your concept and, and ideas and thoughts around things like this. I got a comment. I deleted it. I should have not, but I should have screenshotted it. I got a comment and it was something along the lines of, I've been volunteering at this particular shelter for three years now. After seeing Tom come in and use abusive tools to force dogs to do whatever, I'm no longer associated with this said shelter and I will never go back. So for me, I took a step back and I'm like, before I'd be offended. I'd be like, you, are you? and I'd fight. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. Hurt people hurt people because they didn't need to say that. They just wanted me to know. And I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I did see it. And it was anonymous. Like it was a fake person, uh, fake account. And I looked at it and I go, for the people listening and watching, I want you to think about that. So you're volunteering your time to get these dogs out of the shelter because you're a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, whatever, and you just want to get these dogs out to walk and poop and pee and get some exposure. But because of what they feel is necessary and right, they will no longer associate. So to me, that's it just seems, un, it just tells you like how unbelievably selfish and self-centered thinking that is where somebody comes in for a day to work donates their time to work with these dogs and then i'm gone and seen incredible differences in some of the behavior of these dogs trying to get them adopted continually posting to try to get them adopted and because of that you feel that you are no longer comfortable to go in there because of that that to me was like it has nothing to do with dogs. It's all exactly it has nothing to do. And right now, me saying that, people are going to be like, <sighs> they have a pause moment. Like, what are you talking about, dude? This has everything to do, do with dogs. It's like, no, actually, again, that has nothing to do with dogs. That has to do with many individuals who are doing things for reasons that aren't. I mean, and that's nothing new. That's not a new concept in psychology. Like, no, that's. It, How does that make you feel? I'm ge- I genuinely like want to know, like, what do you think about that? Cause to me, I'm like, okay. I don't feel any kind of way anymore about that type of stuff. Now, what do I think about it? Well, it's my, I think it's my job to understand it. I think it's my job to know that person, to know why they are doing this. What, what challenges are they going through? That's leading them to such a completely irrational conclusion. The reason why I need to know that is because my job is to work with, help, support, educate, coach dog owners. Let's face it. It isn't about me holding a leash, at least in my business anymore. It's all my stuff's online for the most part. So I'm helping people. Mm. In order to help people, 
I've found that the majority of the areas they need the most help in, it's not in how to hold the leash. 15 years ago, it was a lot of how to hold the leash. Now it's helping them understand why they need to hold it that way. That's one of my business called Socratic Canine. Because why is my favorite question. It, 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 forget the method. It's the why behind it. I need to know that when I'm working with a dog. Dude, I need to know that when I'm working with a person. So when a person is behaving that way or they're expressing that type of what you just described, I don't feel any type of way. I want to learn where it's coming from so that in my future dialogues and conversations and interactions with the world at large, I can better understand how to diffuse, how to handle, how to, like there's the people who are on the fence who hear those people and they're like, well, well, wait a minute, maybe I, should I, what, what, what was bad about it? Like, I don't know, but you're making it sound bad. People with the best intentions, they're going to hear that. I need to know how to help that person on the fence fall on, fall on a, not even the right side, fall on a side that's going to help them and their dog achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll totally avoid words like right and wrong, good and bad. No, I need to make sure that I can help them fall on a side that's going to help them get whatever their goals are. That means I do have to understand the fake dog lover. And the fake dog lover is someone who doesn't necessarily love the dog. They love how they love how looking like they love dogs feels. What's that, that word? Anti, antiform, antiformorsic. What is that word? Which one? The like putting human traits on yeah. anthropomor- anthropomorphic anthropomorphism. Yeah. Um, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about really. They just they love what they're doing. They love how petting a dog makes them feel which is why when you tell them they need to not pet that dog right now because that's not what that dog needs, they get very upset because mm. it's not actually about the dog. Mm-hmm. It's about how they feel doing something they think helps the dog. And that is very different. And you cannot come at that with logic. You cannot come at that with reason. I love quoting Ralph Waldo Emerson. You cannot reason a person out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. So coming at them with logic and this is this and like showing them a video, you can, I mean, come on, man. Like we've all shown before and after videos, like there's no shortage of before and after videos of of dogs that were incredibly troubled and problem, having common problems, um, being, living free, fulfilled, happy lives with a knee collar on or a pinch collar on or a slip or anything. And the dog is like, just loving life with their owner. We got tons of actual real world evidence. Then why do people still think that that doesn't exist? Because they're not using logic at that point. So we have to understand to kind of come back to how do I feel about when those comments come up or when people start expressing that. It's like, don't feel any type of way because I'm not going to let that person influence my feelings. But I want to know. I want to observe and I want to get what I can from from whatever level of interaction I'm at there. Mm. And sometimes it might be, yep, no. I already know. I already know that formula. I'm looking for the other formulas. Your formula. I already know. I don't need to be exposed to that any longer. Thank you very much. Um, ooh, that's a new. I haven't heard that objection before. Let me figure out why they're making that objection. How? Why do they feel that way? How do they feel that way? Because that's going to help me with the next client who comes to me who says, "Yeah, I like the results you get. I like the results your students get. I want to work with you." And at some point, they all run into some moment where they're like, "I don't know if I'm ready to do this." Oh, wow. How much, how much of that do you think is killing dogs? How much of that virtual signaling of this is how to train a dog, although I'm not a trainer, and although I don't work with the same dogs? Because that's one thing that dog trainers will find often is people will give you, give you advice just because it's a dog, but it's not the same dog. It's like if you were working on Ferraris, 
and somebody over here worked on Kias and they're like, that's not the right way to, to take that off. And you're like, this is a different, this is a different vehicle. How much of that do you think is killing dogs? Well, dogs aren't for the most part in shelters. When we talk about dog behavior and why, what type of behavior challenges led to a dog being in a shelter, dogs aren't in shelters because of things that they didn't do that they were supposed to. They're in shelters because of things they weren't supposed to do that they did. Hmm that the owner was unable to stop. So the massively emotional, subjective perspectives that exist out there that aren't based in reality, that don't have a proven track record of consistent, reliable results, that voice has so many dogs in the shelter because there are people who innocently, they just don't, they don't know, they don't know. They hear that or that person tells them, yeah, you know, the dog needs to be drugged or put down. And, and like, you know, I'd be like, give me the leash in about 90 seconds mm -hmm. and I got a new best friend and you're going to have to convince me that I don't need another dog in my house because I just want to keep this dude because he's so cool like <sighs> that's what that's where dogs are in shelters and that's why they're dying yeah yeah but like I said it's it's so one thing that's really helped me uh, and I'm glad that we are talking about this mainly because I don't I don't fuck with a lot of dog trainers right because I've been burned too many times mm -hmm. Right? You, you let somebody in and they either want something from you or it's disingenuine or whatever. And so I've just learned, I put my head down. I'm, I really hang out with like five people, including Abby. And so really four other people, my wife. Okay. So there's three other people, right? My circle is very small. And when I get a chance to sit down with somebody like you, I don't just go into these conversations because it's all I talk about. Because to be honest, I never talk about it. I just This is our chance. This is, this is chance. like our chance to have like a rational conversation. And, and I guess I'm getting self-conscious of myself about going down some of these holes. But I think it's important for people to understand because I think dog owners don't realize the hardships that we face as dog trainers, but also they have a hard time progressing. So I used to get depressed and I wouldn't want to, I would want to stop training dogs because of those people and because of those comments, like a comment like that would have crushed me for probably a week, maybe more. I, I would have lost sleep. I would have thought about you it. You would have replied. You would have gone yeah. down a rabbit hole of reply. The dopamine rises because you're waiting in anticipation of what they're going to say next. You've spent an hour and a half that you should be with your family thinking about the 20 different things they could say and the 25 different options you could have for that. And then they don't say any one of those. They say something you weren't ready for. So, Yeah, man. So That's what happens. So getting So as a dog trainer, getting my life straightened out to a point where I'm living in peace and in good vibes has been eliminating the social media stuff because it doesn't matter. If you scroll and you come on my page and it's helpful, stick around. If you disagree or you don't like me because it, I go against your ideology, that's life. I don't think you should wear blue. Okay. Well, I am. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to kick you off my page because it's my page because everyone else here is on the same page. And we're all trying to learn together. And I'm not putting out polarizing stuff that's like, you know, even you will put out stuff that I'm like, I have a hard time looking at some of the, like the people who make stupid mistakes, like a dog attacking another dog or a dog biting somebody in the face. Like, I can't even go that far. Some people can where they're like, they're like, oh, this is what happened. And I'm like, that depresses me sometimes. But The other thing that's been really helpful for me is, again, having that second phone so you're not sitting there and mm -hmm. thinking about those things. So now I'm really proud of myself and dis it took a lot of discipline. You post and you ghost. 
exercise has been really important just overall, like going back to like your, your new habits and Mm -hmm. you creating a a different, healthier life for you. It changes the entire perspective of your day. Mm -hmm. Like my whole morning routine is designed to make the day better. And guess what? It does make the day better. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing crazy. It's just, I promise myself what I'm going to do. And that's a big thing Mm. that I implemented in this past year. That is a significantly different than my other efforts throughout my life is this implementation of these promise protocols where using personal promise to build self-confidence. It's huge. Self-confidence, when when you're an adult and you realize you have a future strength there, a deficiency, and there's areas you want to you wanna shore up in that that department. The only way it happens is by building trust in yourself. And the only way you build trust in yourself is by making promises that you're going to keep. And I had found, I had like a little epiphany where I was reflecting on some, I don't have a, a lot of friends, like close people I call friend. I'm kind of weird with the word friend. Like I don't throw it around too loosely. Um, and I was having trouble reconciling the incongruency between how absolutely diehard loyal I am for my friends. Like the things I'll go through to keep my word to you, like there's no boundaries there. Mm-hmm. And man, I was lying to myself all the time about all kinds of stuff on a day-to-day basis. And when I say lying to myself, like saying, hey, no, we're not going to eat ice cream tonight. And then eh, I got 20 different reasons why it's okay for me to eat ice cream tonight. Sure. And people might think like, really? Ice cream? No. That's how it starts. Mm -hmm. Little things you say to yourself. And then, of course, it grows into much more profound things that people can relate to, like having associations, friendships, romantic relationships, uh, professional relationships that just aren't healthy, where you're being treated in a way that is out of congruence with your conscience. That is not who the real you inside, who sees the world for what it is and sees you for the wonderful person you are. But you do things that don't honor that wonderful person. That's an incongruency. Now you don't even have trust in yourself. Mm. Now your relationship with yourself is damaged. So I know what I would do. And this was reflection, of course, Mm -hmm. when I realized it was how much I was trying to compensate for the disloyalty I showed myself. I was like, that's why you better believe I'm going to be the most loyal SOB there is. And my close friends will tell you, like, you tell me something, I'll take it to the grave, even if it means blowing up the world around me. Mm -hmm. If you told me not to tell or you need me to do this, I, I got you. Um, so when I had that epiphany, that's how I started reverse engineering it. And um, I have a number of mentors. I'm always talking to dark trainers, like, why aren't you investing in yourself? Like, I invested, but, but last yeah. year alone, like 25 grand alone, just in mentorships, masterminds, and personal coaches for various reasons, for me to get mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And my first promise to myself, to get the ball rolling. Waking up at six to go to oh. jiu-jitsu with me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Luckily, I've built up some strength to keep that promise. But then again, that was a pro- that was something for you. It was. Easy, easier to do. Like, Tom asked me to do that, I'm going to do it. Um, my first promise I made just to get the ball rolling was, you're going to floss your teeth tonight. Mm-hmm. On that particular day, when I had been reflecting on how I'm going to go about more improvement in myself, that's how small the promise was. You're going to floss your teeth tonight. Because this was something I wasn't consistent with. Mm-hmm. So I did it. So I went to bed that night. One promise kept to myself mm-hmm. more than the previous day. And so the next day, the promise was, you're going to floss your teeth tonight. 
And then the next day, the promise was, you're going to flush your teeth tonight. And the next day, it was, you're going to drink this much water and flush your teeth tonight. Mm. And it was bloop, all little bitty ones. Guess what, man? You start building up those wins, and now you're keeping your word to yourself, something right. you don't traditionally do. Now that builds confidence in every other aspect of your life. It is no different than what we talk, talk about with the dog owners that we're helping. Mm. They come to us with a symptom. My dog's pulling on leash. My dog's reactive on leash. All the, that's the symptom. And there's always that moment when you start talking about what's going on in the home. And they're like, yeah, no, 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 my, my problem's out there. It's like, no, nope, that's actually where your problem is being shown and displayed. Let's go back and let's look at how you live your life with your dog day to day. Let's look at the, re here we go, relationship you have with your dog. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's about the relationship you have with yourself. So yes, I may be asking for help because I have a couple big events coming up or a traumatic thing that I have to deal with. Hey, how can I be stronger when I go through that stress that I know is coming up? How can I, how can I get better at dealing with that? Dude, it ain't about getting better at dealing with that. Let's work on just, dude, you don't even keep your word to yourself. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, you start working on those fundamental elements of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that word is going to come up endlessly out of me on this show and anywhere anyone sees me is because I'm talking about relationships a lot more. I'm quadrupling down on it. That relationship I'm building with myself now brings a different version of me into that upcoming stressful thing, mm. whether it's planned or that when a random thing happens, that's incredibly stressful. Like, but this trip up, dude, when did I tell you I was supposed to be up here in like October, then it turned into December, then it turned into Tom, I'll let you know what I know. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of things going wrong people getting sick, my truck being in the shop, then my truck not getting out of the shop, and then a dog this, and then like, and I was just like, yep, okay, cool. I'll deal with it. Five years ago, dude, there'd be a hole in the wall, something would be broken. Mm. I would have thrown something. I would have like had a melt, like, why me? It always happens to me. Yep, that's right. Go Like that whole thought train that so many people go down. I mean, did it suck not leaving when I wanted to leave? Did I like dealing with my truck issues? Like, no, but I dealt with it. Because I got better at dealing with stuff like that by getting better at keeping my word to myself, showing that I can do things. I can do the thing that for me was the most difficult, which was honoring myself. Yeah. And you build it from there. Mm -hmm. And that almost, that goes back to a question you asked me like an hour ago. Like, well, what do you mean? What were your goals? Like, how did you decide to do that? Like the promise protocols and moving forward with improving my relationship with myself. So deliberately, because I was already talking about it on my coaching calls with my clients. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that's been coming up in coaching for dog owners for years. And then things just kind of settle and you start to see things. And then you get someone says something that resonates with you differently than when other people have said it. Or it's, a different way. Yeah. That's how this stuff works. Like nothing's new. Like I'm not sharing right now anything novel whatsoever. And the people who shared it with me, it wasn't novel when they said it. There's a reason where why cliches are, are they come up because they're said so often. Why are they said so often? Oftentimes because it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, like oh, never mind motivation. It's about discipline. Cliche, maybe true. Yeah, there's a reason why people are saying it, guys. Like there's a reason why mm -hmm. because when you get into it and you realize that you accept it, you apply it, it actually works. Mm -hmm. That's why it's said so often. So. Man, I get I get excited about that because I've seen what it's done, not just in my life, I've seen what it's done with my clients and the people I work with. And those are the comments and the feedback I get that I, I, I love the most. It's like, yeah, the dog's easy. Easiest. When someone's like, comes to me, and we have a, a private Facebook group for the members of my online program. 
And when they sh- like, they're sharing wins that don't have anything to do with the dog. Like, I just want everyone to know, like, I went in and crushed this interview. And like, I've never felt good about interviews before, but it was like all the work I'm doing in this, in the air quotes, dog program. Mm-hmm. It's because we're not talking about the dog half time. We're talking about like relationships, relationship with yourself. Because you bring you, yourself into your relationship with your dog. Yeah. We can apply it anywhere. And the best part is when we talk to other dog trainers who say the same thing to, to their clients, appropriately so. And how many of them aren't applying it in their own life? And I was that person as well. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, that's a lot of the work I do with dog trainers is helping show them, like, hey guys, you're not even taking your own advice. You're talking about like having a balanced lifestyle with the dog, and they need to, you know, be doing this, be doing that, have some boundaries, have some me time, stay calm, stay cool, stay collected. Meanwhile, you're a hot mess, mm-hmm. and I get it. Why? You know, you got five boarding trains in your garage. You're doing this. You're on social media. Like, I get it, but like. Can, Let's address that because I bet you you'll last longer and you're a good trainer and you're helping dogs and you're helping people. So I need you to stay in business as long as possible because you're going to help more dogs. Let's not burn out right away. Mm. Mm -hmm. Just apply the same things you teach your clients. Mm -hmm. And I had to start by taking that medicine. So when I talk about stuff, like people know that tune into me on Instagram a lot and catch my lives. Like I'm talking about things I've gone through, I've applied, and then I've watched it applied with other people. Like this ain't laboratory, this ain't theory, this ain't piece of paper. Like, no, this is life. And it's, at the end of the day, it helps people. If you help people, then you can help dogs. If you distill that down is to really putting effort into investing in yourself. Because then you become a better business person. Everything in your life changes. And that's like what you said about flossing your teeth or just finding. So... I've done things in my life that's really changed how I think about life over the last year, which has been really helpful. And it's the similar stuff, just different things. Mm-hmm. Instead of flossing teeth, it's like I got into, um, I just audited how I felt mm-hmm. physically and mentally, like how I felt. And I was like, I want to make it better. And so confidence, going back to dog training for a second, is the same thing. People like, how do I build confidence in my dog? Well, what you're, let's talk about how to ruin your, your confidence with your dog. That looks like dog sit and the dog says, nuh-uh. And you go, okay. Uh, oh wait, dog sit. So it's the same thing when you tell a dog to do something and they know what you want them to do and they decide not to do it. And then all you do next is either forget about it because you're not going to follow through. It's the same thing. Oh, I'm going to flush my teeth. And you, you know, you get into bed and you're like, oh, I have to get up and I have to get the flosser and I do this whole thing. It's just like anything. You can copy and paste that to anything. Yes. And it's the whole thing. Like, oh, I don't really want to do that. So telling yourself that you're going to do something and then following through is some of the best advice that you can give anybody in the world, I think, because it's changed my life as well. Same thing with dogs. When you say, hey, sit, you're telling them, this is what we're doing. And they go, no, we're not. And you either go, I'm just going to ask you again. It's like you going like, maybe tomorrow we'll floss our teeth, right? It's like mm-hmm. the same same effect. And so that confidence, a dog, like we just had a dog in this last week. And it's going to be a really good YouTube video from start to finish because the dog was sitting on the couch and I came in. It was a doodle mix, mini doodle mix. And I came in, the dog's next to mom going like this. I'm like, why are you doing that? I, <laughs> I didn't do anything, <laughs> right? So she's like, yep, this is the problem. 
he won't leave my side. He's Velcroed, growls at everybody, tries to bite people, the whole nine. I said, okay, that's fine. I wasn't threatened by it. Let's go out back. So we came out here and the dog jumps up. A mom is like, you know, doing this thing. And I said, just ignore him. Just ignore him. She's like, it was really hard for her. She trusts me, which is the first thing. Mm -hmm. Trust somebody. Because when somebody's telling you to do something against what you feel is necessary, because that's why you created this problem in the first place. My dog's nervous. Whoop. That's instinctual. Mm -hmm. So somebody tells you that's bad. It's bad, but they're nervous. They're scared. I have a lot of empathy for that. I understand why you did that. So I told her, just ignore the dog completely. Just look at me. The dog's going. So the dog is used to, I'm nervous. And the mom goes, okay. So you're taking away the dog's ability to gain confidence in every aspect of the dog's life. Making it insecure, making it vulnerable. And then this is where it gets interesting. The dog gets protective. Why does a dog get protective when we start stripping things away from them that they need? Like security, being confident. Hi, I'm here. Or taking them away from things that they're fearful of so they can't face fear. They can't face something that they're nervous about. Every time that they face something they're nervous about, it, they, they, they immediately get enabled. That turns off. They never see it, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, just ignore the dog completely. And she goes, okay. And again, she trusts me, which is half the battle, which is why I don't give unsolicited advice in the first place because mm-hmm. people need to be able to change up here yep. first. And they need to trust you to do that. They, they're going to be like, who the fuck's this guy, right? She goes, okay. She sits there like this. And the dog's at her leg going, <laughs> and he's looking around like, literally, the room is like this. Nobody's moving. There's no other dogs. And the dog is like, help me, please. And I'm like this. And I told her, I said, and she knows this, which is good. These are the best clients. I'm like, you do realize how unhealthy this is. Your dog is in a quiet room with nothing going on, is in panic mode. Mm-hmm. Panicking. You have to help them see the reality of what's actually going on. And they go, she's like, she's like yeah, yeah, I understand. She's like, but I feel bad. I'm like, I know. The dog's like, so I come up and I just use a little leash pressure because it wasn't going to end, I don't think. It was too habitual. Mm-hmm. It was too ingrained. It was too conditioned. When I get nervous, you pick me up, mom, and mom shut it off. And the harder they display the nervous behaviors they've learned it'll eventually the bigger the tantrum yeah the bigger the reaction they're they're ready to up it at any point in time they're like (laughs) it's like the threshold like with kids i'm going through that right now with my son he's a year and a half and we're doing it i have a huge advantage because i'm literally working on psychology every day with similar thinking beings at that age Mm -hmm. and so i'm constantly like understanding conditioning and things so i have an advantage there and it's it's not so it's an advantage yes but it's more of a a just in it yeah advantage i guess is a good word but anyway but sometimes i can see him get away with stuff with different people in my life Mm -hmm. like his grandmother my mother-in-law he'll get louder and she'll right into it Mm -hmm. so with me he doesn't ever, I never hear him, da-da, like I never hear him get to that point of like ever. Mm-hmm. But with, it's a German, so Uma, Oma, 
he, and I'm like, what? Are you? I'm like, you don't, we don't do that here. Because it doesn't work with you, it works there. So exactly. we're always shuffling through the behaviors that work in the given situation we're in. Ding, ding, ding. It's like, yep. so the dog is doing all this stuff. And I said, just ignore it. And I'm not kidding you. We have it on film in real time. It was one session. So I started using a little bit of leash pressure and just correcting the dog. Now, a correction for some dog owners or the general population for some reason has been what I call marketing manipulated. People just, corrections are bad, kicking the dog in the face, causing pain, causing conflict. And it's, correction is just creating clarity. You're driving down the road, drop, picking up your coffee, and correcting back over. Now, if those rumble strips were the same as the pavement, you wouldn't get corrected and you'd be off to the tule bushes or potentially into a tree, right? Yeah. So the correction is there to disrupt what's going on to create clarity. So when I say correction, to those of you listening, because I know that you know, Katie, the correction when the dog jumps up is just, dunk, 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 dunk. And the video actually like kind of was getting a lot of, people you know all these people started coming in and saying all these weird things again out of the ecosystem and educated themselves on it so they're like why are you tugging instead of pulling and i said oh well actually i think you commented on that video do you know what video i'm talking about with the little doodle thing is that the one where someone wanted to go off into the weeds on the emotional state of the dog and i'm like why are you worried about perpetuating the very state that created the problem in the first place god about that yes yeah people go down these rabbit holes of like they want to talk about this or they want to like split the hairs on things that actually are the whole reason why the dog has the problems is because of that mindset so like i've got changed and evolved a lot even in how i have those discussions in general is like like you just kind of are explaining with the analogy of like what correction is and correcting the behavior in the road, the things in the road, like, man, I don't, I'm using words like correction and punishment and reinforcement and like all sides of it as little as possible now. Cause I went through my evolution, mm-hmm. right? I went through my, like, I don't know what any of that stuff means. I just train dogs. Then it was learning all that stuff and go, Oh yeah, I do all that stuff. Ooh, but now I can do it better. Cause I understand it more. Mm-hmm. And then I went through the, okay, now I want to talk about it a whole lot and I want to argue and I want to have intelligent debate which is something that no one talks about how to do. And it's an essential part of, I think the development of a dog trainer is having intelligent debate because you need to be challenged and you need to learn how to have those conversations. That's a side quest. We're not going to go on right now, but like I went through that or yeah, I know the nomenclature. We can get dirty. We can get real dirty Mm. with the book stuff you want. Dirty. and Very dirty. And now I'm like, those are dirty words. Let's leave them alone, folks. Yeah. Like, let's just talk about like, cause I, cause it really quickly, it's like, well, is that correcting or are you interrupting? And then turn, 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 you know, how about this? This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is how the dog is seeing it. Look at the result. You got any questions? Let's talk about it. Boom. Do it. That's usually how I teach. I've gotten better. But I went out of my comfort zone because I went opposite, right? I went complete opposite. That's why I started gravitating towards people like Forrest Mickey and Michael Ellis and hanging around these guys because they were intellect into dog behavior. They were doing the same thing I was. They just, they knew the terms and I didn't. Yeah, they could, they could deliver that. Those two in particular, man, they're like yeah. amazing at the delivery of information. They got licks, licks for days. And Very good teachers. So anyway, the video, I just remembered that you, you had this conversation with somebody. I'm like, oh God. Here we go. You know, so, so, but, but I added in terminology 
to just just to tell dog owners what it is. And the moment I did that, there was this uproar in the comments. Anyway, so the dog was coming up, positive punishment. I added leash pressure. Pink, 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 pink. One person commented, I'm not going to, I'm not going through the comments to say, oh, look, I'm just saying there were good, some people were like, why are you popping instead of pulling? I said, well, if I pull the dog down, it doesn't help the dog make the decision. I'm picking them up and I'm pulling them down. They didn't make that decision. I'm annoying them. Dunk, 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 dunk. And they're like, they stop and it shuts off. Okay, good. Right? So then the dog went around the, the, the owner, jumped up again, and the dog sat. I go, okay, pay the dog. So then she came in. She's like, oh, good job. And the dog, whoosh, right? But I said, no, remove yourself. So immediately negative punishment. I said, remove yourself from it. It's too much. So she came in to reward the dog. And then, it, it's, and you know, you just immediately like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Okay, no, we're not. <laughs> that's what happened. I said, okay, reward the dog because that's what we wanted. The dog came around, sat, and then she paid the dog and the dog went right back up. I said, okay, never mind. Remove it. Get it out of here. We did that for about 15 to 20 minutes in an hour session. By the end of the day, we have it on film. That dog was lying down on a place cot, sleeping with two other German shepherds walking around. And she said, this is the first time, not only has my dog been able to be calm without being in my lap, but the first time the dog is ever able to be around other dogs without having a panic attack. Yeah. So I said, so going back to what you're saying, the results. I'm going to interrupt you. Sure, please. So with a result like that, what, what, sir, what purpose does it serve to spend 30 minutes arguing about whether that was negatively reinforcing a sit and calm behavior or whether that was positively punishing the jumping behavior? Because there are people right now who heard you and they're like, <gasps> like they didn't hear anything else you said. Mm -hmm. They immediately were like, well, wait a minute. Is it positively punishing the jumping or is it negatively reinforcing the sitting? Wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Like having that discussion serves no purpose. Like Exactly. Like, no. And I was one of those who would have those. And through having them, I learned enough now to go, okay, guess what? It doesn't matter because of what you just shared. What was the outcome? Mm -hmm. So let's know why we're doing the things we're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you're a dog trainer or you're an enthusiast nerd, you know, like me, and you're hearing that and you found yourself not hearing what Tom said after that, mm -hmm. that's just a, a great opportunity for you to reflect on why you didn't hear anything mm -hmm. he said after that. Mm -hmm. There's a time and a place for those discussions. Mm -hmm. Listen to the results. Yeah. Watch the videos. They're on your Instagram. Yeah. Like look at the transformation and hear from the dog owner herself of how she feels about what happened. She doesn't care what it's called. Because it's good to know the stuff. You know, people can try to take me out of context, but you're going to have to get real creative. <laughs> like, it's good to know this stuff. We, it, it improves your ability to apply things. However, you got to know there's a time and a place. A hundred percent. And I want to show you the video. Again, so this was us using pop, 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 right? Dog came around. Those are so light too. Like right. I saw some people oh, getting yeah. upset. I was like, he's barely even. Right, dog sat. She gave the dog. So now watch. Sleeping, chilling. Boop, Malinois walking by. Boop, we're chilling. And then. So for those of you who are interested Okay, I didn't see this video.
of that the very same day when the German gets better. walking around. So when you have a dog that is like, hey, I need to do this, I need to do this, I can't live without you, and we say, no, you can't, we correct it, push the dog away, then they can develop confidence on their own. And this is the very first time this dog is able to actually be around other dogs, not only relax, but sleeping. Right? So it's good. Really happy for these guys. Super good. Do you realize the quality of the, the, the amount that dog's life, the quality of improvement in that dog's life to go from mm -hmm. that anxious state? Mm -hmm. In know? a day, bro. And again, to be clear, it's not because I'm good. It's because I have, I've, I've, I'm a, I'm an expert at what I do, right? I've, I've really tightened the nut on like how to do this. A lot of people do this. Millions of people probably do the same thing. But the most important thing is showing those results. I had a podcast with Dr. Cotty. She is a animal welfare scientist with a PhD. She talked about how there's different studies that come out with results and evidence. How much more evidence do you need than that? Why, why is that not accounting for in the conversation? So my point is, is for dog trainers out there, again, going back to what's helped me better my, my brand, helped me better my relationship with myself, confidence in myself, and, and, and overall how I carry myself, put your money where your mouth is. That's really helpful. When I post a video of me tugging on a dog to say, hey, don't jump, and then post a video five minutes later of the dog sleeping around two Malinois, and the owner's like, this is the best we've ever done, drop your mic, leave it there. For people who want to come and go, how did you do that? They can see. For the people who want to come and talk shit, let them stay in that circle. So that's really, that's, so my point by showing you that was, that's what I've been really focusing on is showing that's why like my youtube channel is my youtube channel of what it is it's not focused on sensationalism of how much crazy stuff can we get away with to try to like yield results and views and clicky stuff it's more about a problem and a solution every video which is why my youtube channel isn't like it's like this but it's not like this because people know when they come to my channel and they watch my videos what they're going to get, which is a kind of a problem in a creating standpoint because it's hard to fake them out because they know that, oh, this really reactive, aggressive, insecure dog at the end of this video within two days is not going to be. And so it's quality stuff. But my point is, is when you're, because people ask me often, we're starting this new dog training shadow program that we're doing here. People ask me like how to grow your brand and how to get maybe more clients if that's what you're interested in. It's like share the process of what you're doing so people can um, validate like, oh, okay, I understand how you do this. Because then people are going to be more, they're going to trust you more, right? They're, like some people focus on some of these fancier, and, and I'm, it, hey, who the hell am I to say what's right, wrong, or indifferent? But the way that I've been successful with growing my brand and my training programs online and, and other things has been, there's no secrets with me. There's no, there's no like facade. There's no hidden things. You know, what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. And when you come in, there's no smoke and mirrors. It's, you're going to have a problem with your dog 
and I'm an expert at coaching and I'm going to give you information that's digestible enough for you to obtain results where maybe you haven't before because somebody spoke to you, punched down at you. Like we talked about that earlier about coaching in general mm-hmm. as a student. It's hard to learn from somebody like that. But that's really important to just, the way that I've approached the dog training community now, and I don't even know if that's a conversation we're having, has just been put your head down, put your money where your mouth is, and move on. For the people who want that information, they're going to take it. For people who don't, they're going to argue, and you just kick them off your page. It's that simple. <laughs> makes life easier. Life easier. You're not really... In the right places. It makes the life easier in the right places, because I want life to be hard in, in places. Mm-hmm. We need that. We all need that. Are you uh, sensitive to caffeine? No, I'm not sensitive to it. I have had an interesting relationship with some ups and downs. and What is it? Because I want to I go over that with you because I see you doing this espresso every morning. Yep. So you can do, do you get jitters and shakes no. and anxiety? No. So with me, with caffeine, at one point it was really, 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 really bad. So Like what, addicted? Like, what do you mean? Um, I, just the volume. I was consuming. So um, while I was still teaching, because for those that don't know, I was public educator for over a decade. I taught middle school. And at the same time, training dogs on the side. It was part-time for many years. Um, when Socratic Canine was born, which was kind of like a new, like my new way of interacting with the world of dogs and their owners. Man, I was working mm, easily like 16-hour days. Sometimes 18 hour days, I'd get up at four in the morning, deal with my overseas clients in like New Zealand and Australia because mm-hmm. I would do it all online with the occasional in-person stuff. Um, but like I had people all over the world. So I'm getting up at four, working with clients overseas, working on developing my group coaching program, which was in its infancy at the time. I was doing everything one-on-one. Um, then go teach school, go teach middle school and deal with eighth graders all day. Come home. Don't forget, like I have one or two dogs intermittently throughout that time period um, that were with me for like extended periods of time, working with dogs, then working on Socratic till one in the morning, and then doing it again. So caffeine, I would start out with, um, I would have probably about three cups at home in the morning. In the morning, you'd have three cups of coffee? In one cup. Yeah, like, like all at once. Wow. Like I'd pour a big thing. Then I'd get to school and I'd make a pot and I'd probably drink maybe another five cups of coffee at work all through till 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then no more coffee. Then I'd grab a bang <gasps> on the way home. You sound like my staff. And I would pop that. I mean, a bang. Bangs are amazing. Um, actually, now I'm on Ghost, though. I love Ghost. Well, those are little, oh, little, I call them Snapchat cans. They have like the little um, sour patch on them or something. Yeah, and the the, um, the orange creamsicle tastes like a mouthful. Of orange you would get along with my staff really well. So 300 milligrams of caffeine right there. That was, you know, that was a lot of caffeine. And one day I was, I'll never forget, I was playing, um, I was in my office. I get all the big screens. I got like several monitors. I like shiny things. And um, I was playing a video game with a buddy. I was like, you know, I'm going to take 30 minutes, set up my little timer for some disconnect time. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing a video game with a buddy. And all of a sudden, dude, I started having chest pains. And I'm like, yeah, wait, 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 like I didn't know what it was. I'm like, I ain't that old, man. I mean, I, I feel good for my age. And why does my chest hurt like this to the point where I started like sliding out of my chair? My buddy's like, what do you do? Like, cause I'm getting 
shot or something or i'm not interacting in the, with the game he's like, you okay i'm like dude something weird's happening like i have this sharp stabbing pain in my chest and he's like is your left arm numb i'm like dude i'm not having a heart attack at least i don't think i am it was horrible and then it happened like two more times over the course of a month and then i was having a conversation with a buddy and he was talking about his, I mean, he, he made my caffeine look like nothing mm. and how he had went to the doctor actually about chest pains. And while he was at the doctor, he's drinking a red line. This is a little bit older, like nineties, like two thousands. Red line was a big one. That's that energy. Like, oh yeah. I was like cracking a can, man. Like I don't even, it was rough stuff. And he was, he was telling me the story of how he's talking to the doctor. And then he's like having one. The doctor's like, Hey, how many of those do you have? And they worked out that his chest pains are related to that. So he's telling me this story. And he's like, so how much caffeine do you drink? And I'm like explaining what I just explained to you. And he's like, dude, just Bingo. Cu cut back. I cut back and it never happened again. So now my relationship with caffeine is totally different. Um, I do not consume more than, I mean, I have a double shot of espresso which people don't realize espresso does actually doesn't have as much as an right. Americano. Like that's a whole big misconception. Like I need espresso. Actually, you know, there's more caffeine in the Americano. Yep. Um, Learn that little coffee nerd stuff. Yeah. Um, I have two espresso shots, put them together. And that's usually all I have. If I do have once a month, I run a mentorship program and uh, we meet online on a third, you know, usually like a Thursday or Friday evening, once a month. And it's like a four hour ordeal. Mm -hmm. It's like a seminar a month. Nice. And we're on there till midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning. On those days, I will, like around four o'clock, allow myself mm -hmm. either a half of a ghost. I won't drink the whole thing. Is oh. there sugar in those? No. They're scary. They're, they're voodoo. Like their whole line of, like I'm big and I have like a protein powder fetish, like Mm -hmm. like you know, like 30 different kinds, all different flavors, different brands. And Ghost, their protein powder, their, um, their energy drinks. I don't know what voodoo they have that they have nailed so many flavors in ways that no one has ever nailed them before. Like, it's amazing. It's probably stuff. bad for you. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. No sugar. Um, but I'll have half of that or I'll allow myself two more, like another two, mm -hmm. like a pour, because I use a double shot pour uh, of espresso. And that's it. Only on a night where I'm going to have to be up. And you sleep while. good after that? No. Okay. That night will be rough. But at that point, I'm not even thinking about sleep. Because right, you're already up late. I'm already going to be up late. And I got my I got my mentees and they need like every ounce of my energy. And I, I get excited for it. I get fired up to be with them. Mm -hmm. and we have a really good time. So that's going to be a night where we don't. Mm. But when I went down like trying to make a lot of improvements addressing caffeine wasn't was one of the big ones. So I just have a little bit in the morning. I don't get jitters. I don't get like weird if you I get anxiety. No, not from that. <laughs> like I've had anxiety for years. Mm. I, I just work on dealing with it and see improvements, but it, it, nothing, nothing from that at all. What do you do for anxiety? Like, what do you do to get better at that? That's how I approach life. So my anxiety, I don't look at it situationally. I don't have any real situational strategies. I've addressed it in a much more holistic, big picture way mm -hmm. with things like building my confidence. And um, when you start to trust yourself more that you can handle things because you've proven that you can do things, it honestly, again, it's the dog thing. It's like, no, we don't have to worry about the leash pulling right now. Like, why don't we just start working on like different things in the house mm -hmm. and, and we'll, we'll deal with that reactivity, that aggression later. Most of the time it goes away on its own. Right. 
because we're fixing all the other things. We're allowing confidence to happen in other places. Mm-hmm. You know, like taking dogs on obstacle courses, you know, you're mentioning like confidence. Like my, one of my favorite ways of building confidence in a dog is any type of obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Anything that you can create where you have a dog who looks at something and is like, hey, I don't think I can do that. I don't want to do that. And you know they physically can. You know it's a safe environment. You know they cannot get hurt. You know nothing traumatic can happen. You know they can do it. But they don't believe they can. That's where the magic, that's how you, that's one of the major ways to deal with reactivity on leash. And people are like, what? That's got nothing to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. He doesn't have confidence in himself. So you take that little stump or that log or simple things. Like, doesn't know. The place command. I'm sorry? I do it with the place command. Like the raised platform? Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And remember, just like, you know, dogs choose the rewards, dogs choose their punishments, meaning like we have to work the dog in front of us. Mm. They choose their challenges. So if I'm, if I got a, a dog and I'm walking him through, a, um, going to a park and a lot of parks sometimes in the parking lot, it's like a telephone pole with a two by four. And that's what keeps you from driving into the park. Like that's their quick railing that they threw together. You're walking by. And I'm using this as an example for people who are watching. They're like, what does he mean? What are ways we can do this? I don't have an obstacle course. You find a parking lot. If that dog walks up to that railing, that little two by four, that's that high off the ground. And he kind of goes like, mm-hmm. well, that, this is what we're working now. Thank you for letting me know that mm. this is our challenge for now. And I'm going to work that dog over that little thing. However, for whatever reason, the dog has an issue with it and get to the point where they're just like bouncing over it. Like it's nothing that's building confidence. Now there's a problem that they didn't think they could solve. I showed them that they could solve it. And here's the integral part. I was a part of the solution. This is where trust comes in. Mm-hmm. So you you're building trust with the dog while building their confidence because you're asking them to do something they don't think they can do they don't want to do it mm-hmm. but they're going to do it they can do it. and you're going to make sure it happens mm-hmm. you're going to guide them in whatever appropriate responsible way that a teacher would in that moment so that they can experience success they're going to have to depend on you a little bit and what happens is when they do that thing they didn't think they could do that you told them they could now they trust you more because you won't tell them to do things they can't do mm-hmm that's how trust is formed. Trust isn't formed just by giving cookies. You sure? Like, let's say, you know, we go to the bar. We could go to a bar every Monday night. And if I was someone who was inclined to watch sports, um, you know, let's say there was Monday night football. I heard that's a thing. Um, every, I've seen you for 10 years at this place. And that's how we know each other. And you've bought me tons of beers because we see each other every Monday night. And we like the same team. Does that mean I trust you because you keep giving me something? And then one night we get there and some riffraff comes in. And some thing, and some people get really inappropriate, and I find myself in a potentially dangerous, violent conflict. And there's another guy who I haven't known for as long as you. He's never bought me a beer, but he's a regular. He stands up and he's like, "We're going to have to do this." And I'm like, "I don't think we can." He's like, "We're going to do this. We got this." Right. And him and I get into whatever type of challenging conflict, and he helps me through it. Do I have more trust for you who's bought me beers for 10 years and you've always been kind, you've always been pleasant, we like the same team? I trust this guy because he showed me, he's with me. He showed me, he told me that there's something that we have to do. I wasn't sure we could do it. He said we could and he helped us get through it. Mm. I have more trust in him or if I'm hanging from a ledge, here's probably the most graphic example that anyone can think of. You're hanging from the ledge. It's like, you know, it's like a scene from The Walking Dead. I don't know why I think of that. When I think of hanging from a ledge, I just picture zombies underneath me. Perfect. It's a good reason. To, Your mind goes there. You're hanging from a ledge. 
And that same person who you barely know says, grab my hand. And you're like, no way, dude. I'm not let go. And like, Tom, you're not that big of a dude. How are you going to hold me? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And you're like, Katie, shut up, man. Grab my hand. And I finally, I'm like, oh, bleep it. You know, like, let's do it. And I reach out and I do that thing I didn't think I could do. And I didn't think you could do. And I grab your hand and suddenly you're like, you got this crazy like White orangutan strength. strength. <laughs> I'm like, well, Tom, what have you been hiding in there, man? And like, you just lift me right up and you put me down. And you're like, see, I got you. Pat me on the back and walk away. Next time you ask me to do something that I might be uncertain of, I'm like, you know what though? Tom doesn't, you know, I trust him. He asked, when he says something can get done, even when I didn't think it could, it gets done. Yeah. That's where trust is built. Confidence. It isn't built in what you give me. It's built in what you show me. You're predictable. And now that overlaps with, if you're asking me to do something we're skiing and you're like, dude, we can, we can go down this trail. I'm like, no, we can't do it. Like, I can't do it. And you're like, no, you can. And you're going to here. You're going to follow me, follow my line. Mm-hmm. Just watch me. And I do it. And I get to the bottom. Now that's something I had to do. You couldn't ski down for me. Mm-hmm. I still had to do it a little different than the reach and grab your hand analogy. Like I'm still having to do this, but you told me I could when I didn't believe I could. Mm-hmm. And when we get down, guess what? I could. And you knew it the whole time. You knew I would be fine. Next time you ask me to do something, I'm going to be so much more trusting and like, yeah, so trust is built between the two of us, but also confidence was built in myself. You put me in a situation that I didn't want to be in. I didn't think I could do it. You knew I could do it. I got through it. Now I'm confident, not just in you. I'm walking away feeling better as a result of your teaching, coaching, and guiding me. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's how you deal with reactivity. Exactly. 100%. 100%. That's why. A, little, why, I a mean, little bucket to jump over. That's it. Or a little place board. That's where it starts. Like 100%. flossing your teeth, right? It just starts with one little thing. 100%. That's where a lot of reactivity or even behavioral problems. I always tell people, like, you're the cause and the solution of this. And the only person that's going to make this better is you. Because when I take your dog and walk out there with those other dogs, I don't see anything. There's no reactivity. I don't care if you drove from Michigan or not, it doesn't exist. And then going back to that little dog, same thing. It's like, I always equate it to like being on time. My Katie, meet you at eight. And every day you're there at eight. Every day you're there at eight. But let's reverse the roles. And you say, hey, I need you there at eight. So, okay, sure. I'll meet you there at eight. You get there at, even today. It's like, hey, I'll see you at the gym at six. Okay. Get there at 630. I'm like, hey, all right. Hey, I need you at the podcast studio at, at eight. Okay. My trust immediately is going to be, hopefully he shows up on time, right? So it's the same thing I tell my, my, my clients about my staff too, is like, if I said, Hey, I need you to be here at eight. They showed up at eight fifteen. Hey, tomorrow I really need you here at eight thirty. They show up at nine, right? There's a consistency there that if I need something done, I'm not going to go to that person because I don't have confidence in them. So it's the same thing. Building confidence comes from, I'll be like putting your word down. Yes, I can do this. And then not doing it. Same thing with dogs. Like that place command is really big. So if people are looking for ways to build their confidence with their dog, find something that's not overwhelmingly scary, but something that they're afraid of, something that they're timid of, something that they don't want to do. It's kind of like the little train that could. Mm -hmm. Same thing with place. They go up to a place and you walk up, they go, like, I can't get up there. No way. Like you were saying about the 
thing at the park or a stump. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do that. And you're like, <laughs> you can, and you will. Not because I'm going to make you, but because I know that you can do it inside. And you just have to help them get there. Sometimes you have to flip the bed over, walk over it a couple times, and they're like, it's like that. Have you ever seen that clip of the guy that's on that skyscraper that has the um, see the glass like floor? Or even the clips of people, they're in like two feet of water and they're hanging on the person next yeah. to them. They're like, stand up. You're good. Or they just feel like they can't. And mm-hmm. then when somebody's like, dude, just stand up. They're like, I can't. And then they do it. It's like just building confidence by doing things. Because mm-hmm. your perception your perception of that is not real. And it takes that person. So that's where the relationship, trust, and confidence between dog and owner can develop. Yeah, at home, you don't need you don't even need a trainer for it. There's any like if your dog is an insecure dog. Stop picking them up when they're nervous because you're enabling them to f- figure out their fears. Just, they can't do it. Like, oh, I'm nervous. Okay, don't deal with it. How are they ever going to deal with it, right? And help them do things ethically that they're afraid of that you know that they can accomplish physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I can't do this. And you help them over. And then they're like, oh, I can. You're like, yeah, let's go do some other stuff. That's where uh, the phrase, it's so universal, comfort kills. Because it's, oh, it's, dude. it's that seeking to, I want to comfort him. I realize you do because you love him and that's, that's great and that's noble. I'm going to help you help him even better by not comforting him and actually get it to the point where he doesn't need comfort anymore. So now we're, get, we're dipping into the waters of like the concept of resilience. Growth. And the value of resilience. Yeah. How do you get better at dealing with a stressful world? Well, you get better at dealing with stress. You can never get better at dealing with stress by not dealing with stress. Like mm-hmm. avoidance never, like you, it doesn't work. You just look the other it's, way. Everything's a muscle, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I talk to people um, about their promise muscles. So when we're, you know, talking about like people I'm working with, where it's trainers, I even have some people, just dog owners, some folks who don't have a dog and they're not a dog trainer and they just do coaching for them for getting like yeah. their other business together or their life together. And it's like, the, it's the, the, that's where the promise comes in. To yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And that process is like, that's the doing that builds the confidence in yourself and going through and explaining it to them. And it's like, what? yeah, it really is that simple. This is an interesting story. You know, Casey Neistat is? Yes. Beautiful. If I told you Casey Neistat has changed my life, you would probably think of ways of inspiration and motivation on the YouTube platform, you would assume probably right yeah that or up in your videography game like right so um interesting story no, you didn't think man. i knew who that was did you i didn't actually i was getting ready to pull it out i'm so proud cool. of you i didn't so I'm full it, of surprise i love it I, I, I love it so i interesting enough so casey neistat had changed my life indirectly and directly personally actually kind of it's an interesting story. So big fan of him. For those of you who don't know, Casey is kind of the OG YouTube creator. If you don't know what he looks like, Abby's going to pop up a picture. Yeah, of I think of him screen. as like the original vlogger. He's the OG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he is. And he made it cool. Um, people think that because I'm from New York, I live next to him, you know, as you know, being- We're upstaters, man. Yeah. Upstate is not New York City. We're about three and a half hours north. Anyway, so- been a big fan of him for a long time and i saw that he got a dog 
messaged him on Instagram. He has like, how many followers, Abby, how many followers does Casey Neistat have? I'd say over 5 million, probably three. Okay. 3 million, a lot. But then how many, how many subscribers on YouTube? I think 10 million. Anyway, big creator. Yeah. But big creator for a long time. Like he has a lot of reach. So anyway, there's a picture of him right here. If you guys don't know who he is, he's very inspirational. Um, I like him a lot. I like his style. He's, he creates a movie every day. So there he went, I think, four years doing a daily vlog every day. Every day. He would create a movie, like cinematic quality movie with a plot and everything. Sick, uh, traveling, fights with his family, whatever. He would do it. Right? And I don't know, you know if he fought with his family. I'm just saying. Imagine doing that every day. Mm-hmm. So... Talk about discipline. discipline. That's not motivation, folks. That's discipline. That's discipline, right? And, and and so many people try to do things like that, and it's very hard. So anyway, kudos to Casey Neistat. He knows who he is, and he's killing it, right? And so anyway, I saw he got a dog. I'm a big fan. I am close, you know, relatively. So I sent him a message. I said, hey, man, saw you got a dog. Casey's not on Instagram or on social media a lot anyway, um, but... I just sent him a message just to because I just admire him and mm-hmm. I would love to get to know him and really learn from him. That's why I've worked like some of my clients that I've worked with. People are always like asked, not always, but people do ask me questions of like, "What's this person like?" or "What's that person like?" I'm like, they're really nice people, but I learn a lot from them because there's people who operate at a level that I've never seen. It's weird. It's like almost seeing violence for the first time in your life how disrupting that is Mm -hmm. where you thought like, you know, same thing. I always relate shit to this, but like correcting a dunk, dunk, dunk. It's not violence, right? It's not abuse, right? You should see what real violence and abuse is considering I was an animal control officer when I have to pull dogs out of really bad situations, right? It's kind of, it pisses me off. Perspective. Perspective. Reality. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so working with some, some people like that, you know, I was like, send him a message. How great would it be to be in his ecosystem for a day? Just a day, just to see what he does, just mm-hmm. to pull. Like there's, like for an example, there's still stuff that I do that I pulled from working with Logan Paul for a couple of days just to be in that ecosystem, just to see, mm-hmm. you know, because people are always, not always, I shouldn't say that, but some people are like, oh, he's this or he's that or some of the um, athletes that I've worked with because they don't like the team. I'm like, you guys are so mature. Look how big these people are. Like, look how successful they are. Whether you like them or not, they're good or they're bad people. Like, there's always something to pull from that. Maybe that's selfish, but I think for me, it's an opportunity. Oh, it's selfish to learn. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a small town kid that lived out of a tent. You know, I'm I'm the underdog. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not the underdog until you're not. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. oh, it must be nice. It's like, yeah, must be nice to be homeless and not have any money and be negative in your bank account for a long time because that was me, right? Anyway, so Casey got a dog. I sent him a message. Hey, man, super big fan. I didn't say that, but I said something along the lines of like, mm-hmm. really love your work. I'm in New York if you ever need anything. Obviously, didn't read it, didn't reply. So my wife and I went to a little island called Nantucket off of Massachusetts, I believe. Um, it's past Cape Cod. No, it's past um, Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of a bougie little island. Our friends went there and they really liked it. So we tried it out and we liked it. We went back. 
this is like serendipity. I believe I believe in that. I don't know if you do, but I believe in like serendipitous stuff. I believe I, the uni- universe wants balance and it wants its way and it makes sure that it happens. If you push, but you got to push because things just don't come to you unless you move. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a, it's fluid, right? Does that make sense? Yep. So we're getting ready to go. Months went by. Casey thing, I said him. Months go by. I saw him post a video. For those of you who are fans of Casey Neistat, when he posts a video on YouTube, it's a big deal because he doesn't post as much anymore. He may post quarterly, maybe sometimes more. So I was like, wow. And he was in Nantucket. I was like, dude, crazy. Wait a minute. Exactly. I said, whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm like, we're going to Nantucket. That's so cool. I'll be walking in his footsteps. And there's just a couple people in life that I really admire, right? I'm not like this celebrity type, like, oh, I love these different celebrities. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not, I admire certain people for certain things. And people may be like, why do you like that guy? Or why do you like that girl? I'm like, for certain reasons. And he's one of those people that just like, his work ethic is disgusting. And I admire that because I have a relationship with myself that if I don't, we'll talk about this in a minute, but when I don't have something to do, I self-destruct. I blow up. I start smoking and fuming. And it's, I've learned that over the years of like, why am I like this? It's just my personality. So anyway, Casey's one of those people. Months go by, post a video, he's in Nantucket. Amazing. We're going to Nantucket next month. So I'm checking up on his Instagram and he's posting, he's in Nantucket. Long story short, he's still there. The day that we're going in, me and my wife. So we take the ferry over because you have to take a ferry in. You can fly in if you have a PJ, but I don't. So we uh, come in and it's a beautiful little island and it's just fairly family oriented, small little beaches. My son's a year at that point, I think. And we went with some friends and it was just a nice time. And so I was like, how crazy would it be? It's a small island. It's not big Mm -hmm. at all, especially the busier areas. It's very small. How crazy would it be if I ran into Casey? Just seeing him would just make my day. That'd be so cool. So I sit down um, one morning. I go, I'm just going to run out and grab coffee. He was running. So he runs. He's a big runner. I don't know if you know that, but he runs like 10 miles a day, every day. That's his thing. Like in the morning before sunrise, before he works, he runs. And that inspired me. So he was running. I saw him running in Nantucket. It looks so beautiful, big hydrangeas, beautiful flowers. I'm like, I'm going to start running. So I started running. This was in June or July. I can't remember. I started running every morning when we were there. And then one morning, I told my wife, I said, let's go down to get coffee at this little place. We went and got coffee. And I walk in. For those of you who watch Casey's vlogs, you would know his wife, Candace. Candace is standing right there. The dog's standing right there. And I go, okay think we're gonna do this <laughs> now listen i like i've been like like the like the today show and press and publicists will say celebrity dog trainer because i've worked with some celebrities in the past right whatever so i've worked with uh celebrities before yes but i work with people that i'm not like like i wasn't like anyway so i'm like okay this, I know what you mean, by the way. Thank you. Just so you know, like I, I, I don't know read. How to say, I stopped saying it because I didn't want to sound stupid. But well, I read it. Okay, cool. So this is cool, but then there's this other thing in Tom that switches opportunity. Not malicious, not selfish. Just it's an opportunity. You're in the same room. 
that you wanted to be in. And I asked for it. And so I go to my wife, dude, I'm not kidding you. It's from where you are there to here. I'm, I mm-hmm. swear to God, it's, it's, a, it's a hallway with a little espresso machine and a little thing and they call your name. And most people wait outside because it's so small. Mm-hmm. So there's two doors. And I go to my wife, I go, that's Casey's wife and the dog. And my wife knew that, like, I was like, they're there. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Like, my wife is very supportive, but she's also very realistic and she grounds me. So I'm like always reaching for the stars. And she brings me down just a little bit, a healthy bring down of like, let's bring that in a little bit, right? Not anything to talk me out of things, but she just makes it more realistic and obtainable of, okay, what are you going to do? Like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So anyway, I go around and I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, um, so, so my wife gets into line and I go around to go back in the other way because I was going to strike, strike, I'm a dog guy. Now I can solicit things. I can do things. I can use my power of like, hey, this is what I do. Great. And, and again, an opportunity. And so I, I get up there and I walk back in. And Candace and my wife are talking. And I'm like, I just sit there. And I'm like, oh, cute dog, right? And so I had this judgment call in my head of, do I say I know who she is or do I not? Mm -hmm. I really don't know her, right? I just know her from online. Mm -hmm. Same thing with people like with me. They're like, oh, I love your stuff. And I'm always like, cool. And they know me and I don't know them. And sometimes it's, it could be weird. Because they feel very comfortable with me. And I get that because you grow up watching these people. And I mm-hmm. did, especially at that level with them, you know, millions and millions of people. I didn't say anything. I just said, cool dog. Got to know the dog a little bit. And I went and sat down and Candace sat right next to us. So here in my head, I'm thinking, okay, Tom, you, you, you asked for it. What are you going to do? And I said, oh man, because I don't know, you know, I know I would have said, Casey, what's up, dude. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Enjoy your vacation. But with Candace, it's a little bit different because she's not the creator. I admire Candace because of her ability to be so real in mm-hmm. front of millions of people. And if you know Candace, you, you know that that's how she is. She's so real. Like she doesn't give a shit about anything, doesn't care about anything. And I know that about her. And I know that it, she seems like a good person and she, she is. So I was sitting next to her and I was talking to her and we were just shooting the shit, right? playing with the dog. She loves my son. She's playing with my son and all this stuff. And we were talking and she was just like, oh yeah, my husband's here. He's doing this. He's doing that. She's like, he's actually talking. Um, He's here. He's talking. She was very open about stuff. And I just was respectful. I wasn't in my head. I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be like malicious or um, unauthentic. I just wasn't like, oh, I know who you are. I was just genuinely like having a conversation without saying, oh, I know who you're talking about. Like I know your Sometimes husband. you just want to interact with people yes. in a normal way. And I realize the word normal is subjective. It's like, I get it. Like you yeah. just, that's what it was. It was really nice. So anyway, so this is the, there's two things about this story that I want to talk to talk about is she said, yeah, my husband's doing this talk, um, downtown at the theater, like tomorrow, like two days from now. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I'm like, where is it? She's like, Oh, it's, you know, I'm like, Oh, cool. I'll check it out or whatever had a really lovely conversation and she goes, I go, what are you drinking? Cause her cup, it was a clear see-through cup. And she's like, oh, it's mud water. I go, oh yeah, I've heard of that. But like, what is it? She's like, oh, it's a mushroom blend. And she's like, I used to drink a lot of coffee and I got really jittery. 
and I got like anxiety. I drink this, I don't get any of that, but I still get energy. I work out every day. I do this, I do that. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. She's like, here, try it. I'm like, okay. I drank, so it was iced. I'm like, wow, that's good. She's like, yeah, it's cool. It's good. I'm glad you like it. I'm like, cool. So every day I went and got it, right? And every day after that, I went and got it. And I've been drinking it every day. So mud water, it's, this isn't an ad. <laughs> mud water is like a, a blend of mushrooms. You can get it in matcha. You can get it in like cocoa or whatever. It's basically chai tea with mushrooms, but it gives you the same lift for me that coffee does without the jitters and the anxiety. Cause I used to get really bad anxiety because I would drink a lot of coffee. So the cool thing is when you're building your business is to, you know, not sleep and drink a lot of coffee, right? That's like, it seemed the thing to do and it ruined, like, it didn't ruin my life, but it ruined my mood, it ruined my energy. I had like up and downs and like really high and really lows. I started drinking mud water. So I started drinking mud water that day. Haven't stopped. It's been almost over, it's not a year, but it's probably seven months, I'd say. I don't know. And I, because Casey was running, I was running. So two, two nights later, I just told my wife, I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Like, that was really cool. It was genuine, mm -hmm. amazing. And I told her, I said, hey, I'm a dog trainer. I'm down in the city all the time doing TV. If you ever need anything, let me know. She's like, yeah, great, cool. Nice to meet you. Boom, boom. Two days later, me, I looked it up. Casey Neistat was doing a private talk at this tiny theater that holds 70 people. Casey Neistat sells out arenas for Samsung, right? Because he's a huge business. People pay him thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to do these big corporate things, right? And so he's doing this private thing, literally at skipping a jump away from my Airbnb. I'm like, we got to go. She's like, yeah, we got to go. So we went and I get out of walk in. Casey walks right next to me. He's tall. I didn't realize how tall he was he's standing right next to me. And I'm like, so the, I wasn't like fangirling. I was just like in my head. I was like, how powerful it is up here to like attract the things that you want. And you have to be, almost be careful what you wish for because sometimes when you wish for stuff and it happens, you can miss an opportunity or worse, um, I don't know. So I was just like, this is really cool. And again, it wasn't cool because I was like, this is like my idol standing literally right here, closer than you are to me. I was just like the power that my mind had, if that makes sense, the power that I put something out there in the universe. Like I actually put it out there. I was like, Hey, I want you to, to notice me because I can help you. And I want to create some sort of relationship. And the fact that I was rubbing elbows with him in the same three to four months, I was like, and this is Casey, this is Casey Neistat. He's one of the biggest internet superstars in the world. And I'm like, before they were even called internet superstars. Like I said, he's, he's the OV. Yeah. The OV. He did a talk. My friend, Will Atherton, he's a dog trainer in the UK. Uh, him and I are very close. We talk all the time. Um, he was kind of going through some some hurdles about a certain thing in on on social media. He's like, I'm not sure about this. What do you think about this? And Casey talked about it, and I recorded it and sent it to him. He's like, Dude, that's huge. I can't believe like you were there. This is like so serendipitous. I'm like, mm -hmm. I had coffee with his wife this morning, dude. <laughs> I don't even know. So after that. I haven't, I've ran every day since then. I've been drinking mud water every day since then. And the, like I used to get a lot of anxiety and I didn't know why. So I drink a lot of caffeine, like because I'd get tired and then I go, whoop, 
ooh, you know, drink coffee. And then when I would run out of things to do with that task and I'd be sitting there in bed, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get calm myself down and I wouldn't sleep. So then each day I wasn't sleeping well. You just fall farther and farther yeah, behind. It's just like this. You just spiral. So I got this aura ring, which tracks my sleep every oh, night. How do you like that, by the Love way? Love it. Love it. Love it. Because when you wake up and you feel a certain way, it's it's nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, it's going to be your sleep. So if you either feel droggy or you feel sick mm-hmm. or you feel great, you can literally go, what's my REM? What's my deep sleep? What's my, how much did I sleep? And so I'm getting like eight hours. So that little interaction. So it's just, I just wanted to talk out loud about it, A, in the universe, because I've never talked about it publicly ever. And I wanted to talk about it with you because we're talking about wellness and things like that. Mm-hmm. So me putting that out there to say, hey, Casey, saw you got a dog, huge fan. Let me know. To rubbing elbows with him, to having coffee with his wife, to her introducing me to mud water, to then changing my caffeine intake, which has made me a better person, which to him, I've been running every day, which got me into jujitsu, which is another leg of like the accountability and the confidence of doing certain things. So when I started running every day, I ran, I run two miles every morning, every day, usually every morning, except for days like this, when I wake up at five to do jujitsu with you. Um, I was running every day and it made me up here. It cleared the system. Like I just felt better. I didn't mm-hmm. have the anxiety. I could think clearly. I can, I can prioritize things. I can compartmentalize things. I can exercise where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. And it like, when people would like, you know, back in the day, I'd sit there on caffeine. I'd get on the iPhone, talk shit to people in comments. And I'd sit there and I just would be anxious because the caffeine. Cause I'd be like, Oh, bathing in the negativity. Exactly. And I wouldn't be sleeping good. Yep. It's this whole perpetuating thing. So after that is where things started changing. So it's so crazy how me putting out to the universe of like, how crazy would it be if I worked with Casey, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I ran into him like several times, right? And he's, he's a cool dude. But I'm telling that story because that little interaction of me putting, just put it out there. And, and also knowing what makes you feel a certain way. So what you said earlier is you started, instead of taking things way drastically, you started adding things. Mm -hmm. So I added exercise running because Casey was running in Nantucket. And I was like, oh, if I ran, maybe I'll run into Casey. And hi, that would make my day. That'd be cool. And I never stopped running. I was like, Forrest Gump, (laughs) kept running. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the the mud water has been changing for, like huge for me because I'm really sensitive to caffeine. That's why I asked you about that because it really changed everything about my day. Like it, if I'm traveling, I'll drink a cup of coffee. Like I have nothing against coffee either. I love coffee. I'll drink decaf. I love coffee. It's just, it hurts me. Like I have to, I have to, like if I land in London and on a Thursday and have to meet clients on a Friday, I'll get a coffee probably Friday morning and Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that has really been crazy, and I just want to talk about this journey because it's been life changing for me. And I think the podcast is a good place to like healthily talk about it, Mm -hmm. especially with you, because this is where you come in in a minute. So then after all of that, I said, wow. And I read Goggins' book. So I asked you about that. I was, so I was running, reading Goggins' book. And he basically, his mantra is like, chase the uncomfortable. Everyone is in a state of mind of comfort. Mm -hmm. That's what you talked about. 
we do this. It's and it's not bad to do it. It's just there's much more to life. It becomes this mundane, like kind of like a, what's that movie um with uh, Jim Carrey? Oh, what's that movie where he lives in a world that everything is staged and it's like the same thing? I think it's a name, isn't it? The Truman the- Show, the yep. Truman Show. Yep. Where like everyone's watching yep. him and it's like the same thing and everything's planned. People kind of live that life every day and they don't realize that there's more and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Although I've changed my life's trajectory in such a drastic way just by making these changes I'm talking about right now. So after, so I'm just accumulating things, right? So you see the roadmap here. Mm-hmm. Listen to Goggin's book because now I'm running every day on the treadmill. My wife is like a super freak athlete. She runs, she, she kicks my ass in everything. She's the huge health nut, which is great, which is helpful. Because <laughs> it'd be different if I had somebody at home eating Doritos and saying like, no, why are you running? Like she kicks my ass all mm-hmm. the time in that. So I'm running because she has all the equipment and he talks about chasing the uncomfortable. And I've been talking about doing jujitsu now for years. I always tell people like, I'm going to do it. I'm just, I'm in this cycle right now in my life that I'm, I can't, I'm selfishly not able to take on anything else for me. You brought it up to me. I want to say like years ago, yeah. like a long time ago. And I, I just kind of left it alone because I don't want to push and pry and you bring it up and okay, if he's still doing it, he'll bring it up again. And it kind of like floated off yeah. Into, until. Yeah. That's what it's been for me. I've always had this like, like my mom always used to tell me like you play so I was always like this like really like I don't know physical character like mm-hmm. I don't I just fast like squirrely and I just like I did karate my buddies all did wrestling I would always wrestle with them I liked MMA so jujitsu for some reason there's just things in your life that you just stick there you're like what is that that's like the weirdest thing like it just never goes away so I've been saying out loud yeah I'm gonna do jujitsu I just don't know when whatever so. Goggins would talk about this whole thing and I would say, yeah, okay, maybe that's the reason why I won't do it. So I'm at a point now in my life where I'm like, I'm just going to do it. So I looked up, went, whatever, fell in love with it. This is now my fourth week straight, just constant, like two a days looking up every video, whatever. I'm not going to get into the obsession of that because we can talk for three hours on that. But then, so funny, he texts me. Say, hey, man, I'm coming up. We should do a podcast, you know, if you're available or whatever. That'd be fun to catch up. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm also doing jujitsu. <laughs> and you being doing jujitsu for a long time, being a purple belt, it's just, it's it's too weird. Mm, there's too, I shouldn't say weird. There's too much synergy not to bring up these things. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how this works. But one of the things that there's a step in between Goggins talked about uncomfortability and chasing that. One thing that happened because I wasn't running before and now I'm running every day was they talked about this cold plunging thing. Do you ever do that? No. Okay. So I'm very intrigued by it. Let me, let me tell you my experience. It's expensive to do that in Florida though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this cold plunging thing, they, like, yeah, if you're, it's good for, if you're sore, you can recover really fast. And I was running every day cause I got addicted to it. I'm like, I, so now I can't go to bed without doing that. Like I just can't, right. I have to run. I have to do that. I have to get that out of my system. I have to clear the cobwebs, if you will. Mm-hmm. So started cold plunging and every morning I'd go out and I'd cold plunge. And I heard about it on different podcasts, you know, Huberman and Joe Rogan yep. and all these people that talk about it. And they talk about these benefits, but I started cold plunging 
And every day I would be like, I don't want to get into this. It's so cold. And I get in. So my brain started building thresholds of discomfort. In the beginning, your discomfort is like, I'll do a mile. I'll do two miles. I'll do cold plunging at, at 40 degrees. I'll do cold plunging at 30 degrees. So your threshold goes like this, right? Oh, you mean you're growing? Oh. Yeah, mm. dude. Yeah. This is it. this is why I want to have this conversation because I think it's healthy because I'm talking about like the growth as a human. And I hope that it lasts. And I'm grateful for where I'm at now, even if it goes away tomorrow, because I've grown the last six months, I've grown more than I ever have in my life. I'm 35 and I've never felt this growth and I'm happy and I'm grateful for it. Kind of like when people talk, one of my friend's moms came over for, Christmas one time, Thanksgiving. And on the board, it said what I'm grateful for. And everyone was writing family and their dog and whatever. She wrote sobriety. I was like, sobriety, that's... In my head, I didn't understand that because I was like, sobriety? Like, why? I don't, I don't get that because I, I didn't live with that. I didn't... <clears throat> but as I started realizing, like, that's a mindset Having the ability to say no to something that, and, and I'm not sober, I'm just saying up until this point, I didn't realize how you could be grateful for a mindset and discipline. Dude, one of the greatest moments that came from my decision to walk away from alcohol for a while was the first time I went to my favorite bar, mm-hmm. sober. Because there's like one bar in particular. In Bro- Florida? Bro- Brooksville, Florida. It's a cool place. I mean, you just got to go there. It's just enjoyable to be there. I know all the staff. I was there probably too much. Um, but it, it, the great food, great music, great everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like three weeks in to no alcohol of any kind. And I was like, you know, I like that place. I'm going to go. And I'm going to just have a good time without alcohol, which was a novel concept, a novel idea, because it definitely lubricated the social Yeah. It, it helped me oftentimes just integrate into sure. the environment in a really seamless way. And when I went, I, I remember I had so much fun. I ended up meeting a couple people because I'm the type, I'll go bar by myself and just end what up you, talking to people. What do you drink? Do you drink NAs or do you drink seltzer? Or- um, and uh, for the most part, usually a like soda water with yeah. extra lime you know, lime or yeah. lemon if they have there's some really good na's out now is, yeah. athletic brewery or ath- yeah le- athletic and oh my good. goodness that hits my old craft beer days um but mostly just like a seltzer and i had so much fun not just in the inherent authenticity of the conversations i was having with the people i was having it with like that was fun by itself mm-hmm. i had the added benefit of the massive validation of one, I said I wasn't going to drink, and here I am at the bar that I used to drink at, not drinking, mm. and I'm all of the what I just said, Confident. and having a blast, having fun, I'm relaxed. It's all these like really awesome things happening in an environment that I had a completely different relationship with previous, but now my relationship with myself has become so important in that moment that I was able to go do this thing. Mm. And because people say, do you not go to bars? I'm like, I go to that my favorite bar because I like the food and I like the people. Like, why would I not go? Like, it didn't, it wasn't all about this one thing. That win was a big one. Was it hard? Nope, not at all. 
like, and I'm not, listen, it might be hard for me. All I can say is what my experience was like. I don't know why my, because you weren't, sorry, but you weren't like an alcoholic. You just loved beer and it. Oh, I had gotten, it wasn't beer anymore. Oh, you were into the heavy stuff. The craft beer started punishing me, dude. It's so it's it started i started having issues i remember i was hanging out okay the the the, the straw that broke the camel's back right i'm hanging out with good old bob mm-hmm. shout out to bob owens lone duck he's down in south carolina right now i hope to see him on my way down yep. um i was visiting him in south carolina because he winters down there and of course we hit up a brewery and i had like two ipas they weren't even doubles and you know from mm-hmm. our earlier days of Vermont knowing each other, like, yeah, like I like the doubles. Yeah. It was a single IPA. I had two of them. And I remember we were getting back to his place. I'm getting ready to air. He's airing his dogs. and getting my dogs out. And my st- I started getting heartburn. And my stomach felt queasy. And I was like, burp, burp, burp. and there was $20 on the ground. And I'm like, that's how I saw it. I was like, I just paid for that beer. Now it's on the ground. Like, I wasn't drunk. I didn't even have a buzz. It was the craft beer that I was, uh, those IPAs were messing with my stomach. Mm. So I had to walk away. So I walked away and got into bourbon and fell in love with the nerd aspect of it and learning about it. And then I got into scotch and then I got like, Mm. just getting into the culture of it because that's what craft beer is for a lot of people and myself included. I, I enjoyed the culture of it. I enjoyed learning about the different stuff because i'm a dork um and it just made it interesting to me mm-hmm. so i mean bourbon but it, it wasn't ex- i mean that's a whole subjective area where we won't even get into because there's no point but like how much is too much right because everyone is different all i know is i felt like i was drinking more than i should i was noticing things like my sleep was garbage i noticed that my add was like through the roof i couldn't focus on projects like it was just a hot mess even though i was doing a lot of other things that were getting good in my life. It's like, why I talked about congruency with goals and missions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well this thing is happening. I'm doing this thing. And then I watched an episode of Huberman lab. I'm like, what's, what's, what's Hubie got to say about alcohol? Cause I know he's got an opinion on it. It will, and he won't share an opinion. He'll share cold data with no subjective sprinkle on it. He'll do a disclaimer. Like, I'm not judging you either way. I'm just presenting you with the information that, you know, this is not the views of Stanford. This is the personal views of his whole deal. Right. So I listened to his podcast on alcohol and I'm like, Oh dude, one year, no alcohol, easy decision. We're going to, we're going to walk away from this regardless of whether it's a problem dude it ain't good for you you got other things you don't like that are happening on a day-to-day basis this is absolutely an undeniable factor that we'd want to address Mm. let's get it out Mm -hmm. and we'll get some personal growth along the way Mm -hmm. and boy did i in ways i didn't expect Mm -hmm. i didn't know the first time i was going to go to a bar i was going to feel as awesome as i did on the way home like i didn't know how that would feel because I hadn't put myself in that type of situation yet. And then when I did, and it was great, and I'm like, oh, let's do more of this. Like, what other things can we do? What other things can we add? What other, um, it was pretty neat. It's, I think it's genetic too. Like alcohol plays, like everything else, like food, uh, the type of drinks you drink, like everything is genetic the way that it affects you. How yeah, how people yeah. feel like I'm definitely one of those people who it, it's a great it's a it's a great time. 
Yeah. Like I'm smiling, I'm laughing, I'm more confident. I'm actually like my motor skills improve for a little bit because I'm really uncoordinated and stiff mm. and nervous and a little bit actually gets me greased up and I'm pretty smooth. And of course there's a tipping point, but I definitely fall in that category of it's a good time. It is. And I, I like for me, like I said, like I'll, I'm not sober in a sense of like, I don't drink anymore. I just don't hard. I don't drink unless it's like the last time I like had more than two beers was probably after Forrest and I completed two cities in Australia and we were in Australia and we were at this really cool venue. And I was like, yeah, cause I didn't have anything to do. And for me, it was, it was more the hangovers. Like I had crippling anxiety. Like I'd punished myself. Like I would have, if I had, and, and as you age, it gets different. Like back in, you know, our t- 21, 22, or even in the teens, not that you're supposed to drink then, but you could drink a 30 pack of Keystone Light and the next day drink another one. Like it's just different. Your liver processes that differently. But as you age, it's a thing. So I'm just, so again, I'm just like talking out loud about the things that I've learned that's made huge changes in my life for the better. And one of those things was like my consumption of alcohol went down significantly, mainly because of the hangovers. Because the next day I would have like drinking beer is fun. I enjoy it. Like I love the taste of an IPA or even a fresh cold Coors Light. Amazing. But there's just like, I have to, know when I'm in the right mindset to do that mm-hmm. because, and I got to be in the right place. I got to be around the right people because it's just not worth it. Like the hangover wasn't worth the fun before the night before. And so, and, and so part to that too, going back to like what Huberman talks about too, is I also like, if I have one beer, one beer, so my resting heart rate, so my cardio is really good. My doctor even tells me that. He does all these tests on me because I go to a naturopathic doctor that tests all these different things and I do blood panels and genetic methodology. No, methane test, genetic methane test, I think is what it's called. Anyway, I do all these things. I'm like, do everything you need to know. I want to get as healthy as I can. Anyway, my resting heart rate when I'm sleeping is 38 to 39. If I have one beer. Holy crap. Are you serious? Like consistently, dude? Yeah, I can show you. After this, if I have one beer, it's, it's in the forties. If I have two beers, it's easily in the fifties. So even my heart, like in my sleep, like I don't sleep as good. It's a weird thing. Anyway, I don't know how we got into alcohol. How do we get into alcohol? Anyway, so I showed up, we started doing a podcast thing. No, but my, my wife is one of those people that like is the opposite. She can have so much fun and I, I love watching her have fun. And really for me, it's the hangovers. Like the things that I have good for me going the next day, running, no anxiety because I deal with it for a long time. I didn't know where it's coming from. That's the thing. I think everybody deals with uh, somewhat of anxiety, but I think your genetics play a huge role in that. Like my wife's like, I don't even know what that is. And I, I can't, I've never felt that. I'm like you're lucky, you know. I think it's I think it's genetic for sure. I know depression is. So anyway, it's like everything else. Yeah. It's nature and nurture. Yeah. It's well, it's balance. Yes. They both are massive factors. Yes. But I mean even the other night like I had a I, again, I'm not like I don't care if people drink like I don't I don't have a care at all. The other night I had a glass of wine with the duck breast I had and it's, it doesn't affect me. Like it's just like before I would drink and just knowing this is my point is just I've educated myself by isolating the exact things that that I do, right? So making sure that I know I'm trying to find you my whoop, 
making sure I know exactly like what I'm doing, what I'm putting into my body. Um, so you can see here, like typically it's 43, 39, 40s. Impressive. Yeah. So I'm super low, 39, I'm like, high, I'm like high 40s. Yeah, it's good to know. It's good to know. So I just taken those things out of my life. But my again, my wife's the type of person that could like, she has a hangover, but it, she's just like, wants to eat a cheeseburger for breakfast. Mm -hmm. and she doesn't get anxiety like I do. It cripples me. I'm like, everyone hates me. I just, it's a thing. I don't know. So I've taken that out of my life considerably. I'm going to blow your mind. Maybe not. But let's take a, take a step even further. So started doing cold plunging because I like the idea of running made me do something uncomfortable. I don't want to run. But then that threshold of like, I don't want to run today, but I'm going to. So I went from really not running every single day, maybe running every once in a while to running every day to then getting in cold water every day because I didn't want to. And I'm like, I want to do, I want to push myself to make myself uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Started doing that. Got a barrel sauna at my house. Nice. Yeah. So now we're now we're getting super sweaty and hot and getting rid of toxins and then going back into the cold water. So now look at here's the way I look at it in my brain. So I went from not doing anything really that hard physically and mentally other than work. I was obsessed with work. I was comfortable with work. And I would work for a decade. I worked for a decade without picking my head up. Ever. I literally worked for a decade without picking my head up. Literally. I swear. Mm -hmm. Like I just I saw you. Yeah, I just did not do anything else. I lost my friends. Um, I, I, I just just how it, well, I needed that. Right, it's how my brain operated. Then I started doing things for myself, and then again. So my threshold for doing things I don't like is now here. So let's just say I wake up and I do all these things: mm -hmm. run when I don't want to, cold plunge. He, these are things that are good for my particular, I'm not advocating mm -hmm. for anybody to go jump in a hot barrel sauna or a cold plunge because I'm not a doctor. I just know what's good for me and what makes me feel good. These things are good for me because I can see it in my results, my mm -hmm. blood work and my aura ring tells me what my heart rate is and all these different things. The dopamine that I get from cold plunging is incredible. I listened to it. The reason why I got a cold plunge is because I was sore from running because of Casey Neistat, right? Then... I listened to this Huberman document where he did he did this he did this study I think Stanford did this study where the cold plunge or doing everyday cold exposure you don't have to do cold plunge and you could do cold showers as well mm -hmm. gives you I believe eight times more dopamine jump than a a pill right I think they call them SSRs so a pill like um, something that gives you dopamine right like a fake pill right gives you 80% more, I believe. I have to look. We need, we need somebody here to look this stuff up as I'm talking about. Well, the dopamine rabbit hole gets massive because it, it's used. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it is and its role in the body. And especially in the world of dog training, that word is used a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wish it was used a lot less because, again, people get down the wrong path of investing energy. And it's like, wait a minute. I don't even think that's how that's working. Mm -hmm. Or I don't think that's actually what I want. I found it. Can I say it? Yeah. So 250 to 300% increase in dopamine production with cold plunge practices. So that was the result. Um, again, I don't, this, I'm not a scientist and this isn't a scientist podcast. I'm just telling you 
because this all is all relevant, mm-hmm. our dog training careers and everything that's cross path. So I started doing cold plunges, started doing sauna, started doing all these things that made me uncomfortable. Jiu-jitsu. So now, so look, so I went from not doing th- work. That's what I was comfortable with. I was married to work. Like nobody's going to outwork me, right? I'm just right here. Then I started doing things for myself because I'm like, I'm a dad now. That changed. That changed big. I was like, I need to live as long as I can. I want to be healthy. I want to play soccer with my son. And if I have more kids in the future, started doing things for myself. So all this threshold of like going towards the things I don't want. Right. So then when I'm like, I'm going to do jujitsu, that was easy. Cause I was already here. I was already doing all this stuff that I didn't really feel comfortable doing in the beginning. But once I got on the treadmill, once I got in the cold, once I got out of the sauna, I felt good. And then I was happier. I was less anxious. I was more present because you have to be. Then I, and then I said, jujitsu. I'm going to do, I'm going to do that thing that I've been avoiding, but mm-hmm. I really have wanted to do it Two, I want to tell you, cause you're a purple belt. You've been practicing jujitsu now for over a decade. I mean, I started in 2005. So a long time. <laughs> so two reasons why I started. Uh, main reason is, is because I want my son to look up to me and want to do it. I'm not going to force him to do it, but I, the world that we live in scares me. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a kid into this world. And in my head, I want to prepare him as much as I possibly can to be disciplined, to be a good person, to be able to protect himself, him, his family in the future, if mm-hmm. need be. Goes to middle school. It goes to high school. This world's not a good place. Just tools, man. Just tools for a lot of things. So I said, you can start jujitsu at four. I'm going to start jujitsu now. He's a year and a half. So by the time he's four, he's going to see me going to the gym. He's going to see me in my gi. He's going to see me at the gym, hopefully. Hopefully, he'll see me get a belt, right? So that way, when he's four, he gets on the mats. My job will be done. The other reason is is because it's so funny. The job's never done, buddy. I know, but listen. Here's, here's a four. Abby, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. It's so funny. So first, one of the first days I went into jujitsu, I was um, just figuring things out. I don't even want to say rolling. I'm just figuring things out, right? And a guy's like, so why'd you get into this? I told him about my son. He's like, that's pretty cool. And then I said, and then I also like travel a lot and I'm usually just traveling with a bunch of girls because it's usually me, Abby, my wife, my mother-in-law or or a nanny. That's usually our posse. Freddie, my father-in-law will come every now and then. And then my liaison from London, Holly. So I'm usually around four or five girls and it's just me. And I'm not being sexist or anything. It's just there's part of me that feels a bit responsible sometimes where I'm bringing, you know, we're walking down these sketchy alleys in the middle of Europe randomly or the middle of UK or Australia, or even the other night we were, after I talked to you on the phone, we were just walking back from, there's just a part of me that's like, I, I'm an empathetic person. I want to provide, I want to protect just my personality. It's just who I am. I don't think it's a man thing. I think it's just who I am. So there's that, but I was, I was messing around with this guy and he's like, and I told him, I said, yeah, I travel, you know, I'm usually around. He's like, what? he goes, he goes, so why do you travel the world with a bunch of girls? <laughs> like he wasn't saying like, why are you with girls? He's like, what's your job entail that you're traveling around with mm-hmm. a group of girls? And I was like, it's a, it's just, I, it's I don't a know. Yeah, it's a long story, but listen, so, so then the jujitsu thing came and then you told me, but, and now we had jujitsu this morning. But it's just crazy how full circle this is. Because do you remember? You don't even, I know you don't even think about this right now. Maybe you do. Do you remember the first time you sat me down to do a podcast? 
and we got so drunk. Uh, it was mostly me, dude. I appreciate you jumping on the sword with me. Let's be real. That was me. Like I was way, I was very irresponsible that night. I don't remember. I, it was bad. But listen, how crazy it is, full circle. I didn't even think, as you were going over your journey and me reflecting on mine as well, I remembered I go, holy shit, this is full circle. We're talking about our sobriety or maybe our journey of like mm-hmm. this. And then I remembered the first time you and I actually sat down to do a podcast. Yep. You were like, hey, I'm KD. Um, we I met know- through our- Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. You said, I got a client that, and I'm like, that guy is the, the most interesting man I've ever met in my life. He is. And <laughs> if you're friends with him and you're a dog trainer, let's talk. And this, how long ago was that? Like eight years? Seven years? It was a long time. Yeah. Six six to eight years. Yeah. Window. It was a while ago, man. It was a while ago. Because he had a you had a jack. Like this is the weird thing about him. And like you know him, I know him. Like I'm I'm talking to him and he he's who because I've been reflecting on, I don't know, I had a conversation with someone about how you and I even know each other. And I'm like, it's actually through a high school buddy Crazy. who originally reached out to me to like, who's this Tom Davis guy? He doesn't even live that close to me either. That's no. the thing. And so then I I looked you up and I was like, and this was such a, it's so interesting how even our relationship, we talk about the universe and things Here being put are. in place. Cause I was at a certain point where I, I needed to run into you when I did mm. because, and I've told you this before, like there was a moment when I first saw some video you, d- you did and like, I had just spent years in the trenches roasting people intentionally, strategically. Like getting into <laughs> debates and arguments to be able to sharpen my tools as how to explain things to people who aren't necessarily going to believe you and mm. who are going to challenge you. So like I had been analytically picking everything apart. And there was something, I don't know, something you said. I was like, oh, I could say this about that or I could challenge him on this. And it was like, I was also at that point where it was time to evolve. Mm. And I'm like, why would you do that? And I watched more video. I'm like, he's helping dogs, man. Like he's doing some cool stuff. Why on earth would you even like inten- in, in, uh, intentionally be like, oh, I'm going to comment something. I'm going to find something to nitpick. Like, why? Mm. That's not intelligent debate. That's not learning. That's not everything you've been doing. That's being a dick. Mm. And I'm like, no. So then I started watching more stuff. And I, I hit up Jay. I'm like, dude, he's, yeah. Yeah. Bring your dog to him. Like, go for it. And okay. then years go by or at least a year goes by from that. And that's when I came up here and I was up music, hanging out with him. And somehow your name came up and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I think he's got a jackhammer of mine or some random tool. Cause Dude, that's, yeah. that's him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, of course, Tom Davis would have your jackhammer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't even own a jack. Who owns a jackhammer? You do. And you Tom do. Davis has yours. Yep. And then we went over to get it. And that was when we first mm-hmm. even, Hey, how you doing? And yeah. I remember, so what ended up happening was, is this guy that we're talking about to give context is a friend of yours. Grew up with him. That reached out to me. School. This guy rolls in in this huge van. <laughs> this when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Huge van, and he's like the chillest Zen guy. Like Very eclectic, eccentric individual. Energy was so good. So I would have like, I would have been like, anything you want to come home? Like, I yeah. you can cook dinner at my house if you want. Like, yep. he's, that, he's that guy. I felt that immediately. So cool. He had this big like Russian dog, like, and he'd like live, you know, he That's was right. He had enough jar. He had a Caucasian. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, he kind of doesn't like my girlfriend or something like that. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And anyway, I worked with him and he's super cool. But I, something happened with that facility, not this facility, but my old facility, my other facility, I should say. And he's like, oh, you just need a jackhammer. I'm like, I don't have one. He's like, I do. Goes out in his van. <laughs> he had it all. Moves his Russian dog out of the way, <laughs> grabs this jackhammer and he's like, here, just, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up when, when I see you again. And I'm like, okay. And yeah. And then, yeah. And then you came in and I remember I was working with this pit bull and you had your uh, Davy Crockett, Crocodile Dundee hat on. Yep. And then... We chatted for a little bit, and I think we ended up, me and you went out, and you were like, let's film a podcast or something. And he went with us, because he he did the camera work. For a little bit. No, my, no, I think he went for like a beer or two, and then he left, I think. Okay. And then Taylor ended up camp doing camera work or something at the time. It was a long night. A long time ago. Yeah. But it's so funny. I, I truthfully genuinely like didn't even think about that until we started talking about like our paths crossing now, even with jujitsu and dog training and everything. And then I was like, Oh my God, as we're talking about sobriety and what has helped us become who we are today, the most present now of ourselves. And then reflecting back on that night where I remember when I had a, I made the decision that I had to message you or call you. I had to communicate with you as I was reviewing the footage (laughs) Like, I'm like, I got to call this man that I just met. We have no rapport outside of Jason Von Guinness. Um, <laughs> we have no rapport outside of that in one night of, of beers. And now I got to tell him, I can't, I can't air any of it. Like, it just, it was just, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't inappropriate. It was just, it didn't need to be aired. Um, I was, <laughs> it was just sloppy. It was. It was so long ago, though. And that's funny. Now I got to tell him, hey, Thanks for your time. Thanks for hanging out. And you were like, dude, I don't care. You paid for the beer. And I was just I like, forgot. I, I forgot all about it. And it was so long. Like so much time went on that like, I didn't even like think about it. And then you were like, Hey, I can't really air that. We both were like, really? I'm like, yeah, good, good call. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. I don't even know what we talked about. I think everything. That was when, um, so right now it's Single Cut Brewery, which is good beer, really good beer. They're actually from the city. I think they're from Brooklyn. They opened up where Schmaltz used to be. Mm-hmm. That's that, right, it was Schmaltz. Yeah, we went to Schmaltz. Yep, I remember that. Which is like a Hasidic Jew, um, Jewish brewery because they have like the 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 logo there. Mm-hmm. Really funny, like um, it was great beer. Yeah, it's a really good beer. Good, it, it was good. Anyway, but to come full circle and look at how the universe put like through a mutual friend, put you there. We had that experience. And honestly, man, like 
th- there's been many interactions you and I have had that you're on, you're not even aware because it's not something that comes up in conversation very often. But mm. like you're unaware of how some of our conversations have influenced me in ways that I wouldn't have predicted. Like there's a lot of stuff I've learned from watching, especially watching your journey with YouTube and social media and how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, we've had some conversations of some little things that have popped up here and there. And then you and I talk about it privately and it's like, what about that? And I kind of like, you pick my brain, I pick your brain. And then I just kind of sit back and just watch how you've handled certain things. And I'm like, look at how Tom did that. And I'm not talking about dog training. I'm talking about handling and running your life, your business, your presence, like there's a, there's a lot of things happening there. And as my own path started putting me in a lot of those environments as well in a different way, but like kind of the same thing, I'm like, look at that, look at this. Or I reflect on how you said or did something. And that's not something where it's it, usually it's so small. It's not like, Hey dude, by the way, I just did this and I did this because of you. No, I'm saying it now. It's coming up in a conversation organically. Like, dude, there's been moments of time where I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen how Tom did that, or I like how he handled that, or that was a really good way. Maybe I should be applying that principle right here, right there. But you never know if you don't keep an open mind to looking at things Mm -hmm. and stop projecting. Like Mm -hmm. you said earlier, you said hurt people hurt people. And it's like so much behavior people do is just projection. And it gets in the way of learning. It gets in the way of being able to, like you had said, like you can learn something from anyone. That's not selfish. It's called being intelligent. Like if I'm around people, I want to put myself around people first off that are successful at the things I want to accomplish one day so I can learn from them. Yeah. And I can't learn from them if my ego is running the show. Like you said, we all have an ego. It's our relationship with that ego that determines how much it influences our life and in what type of way I want to have as healthy relationship as possible with every element of myself mm. so that I can manage the elements of the environment, my ego included. And like people let that get in the way of stuff. I used to like, it's easy, especially from a dog training standpoint, because everyone around you is telling you how good you are and you're fixing problems that you, that people bring you that they say nobody else can fix and you fix it every day. It's really easy to go. I must be really good or something this is weird and then you go no, no, no i'm not really good i've just maybe spent more time at the craft i've devoted more time to getting better explaining things or whatever and then that way when you go online and somebody says um that wasn't this this is that your emotional response like it used to be like that for me mm-hmm. admittedly like i used to be like oh yeah like that sort of thing now i'm like the amount of time that you have is ridiculous like i don't have time for this yep so but my point is is i want to say i want to acknowledge from my perspective what an ego is and i've talked about a lot in this podcast because i my dad and my mom split early and so i have a good relationship with my dad i love him dearly and he loves me and we talk almost every day but he wasn't around right when i was growing up which is for a lot of people i think that divorce thing And so some of these conversations I learned from listening from other people talking about it. And ego was one of those things that I learned what it was. And it wasn't until I knew what it was, I was like, oh, because I would, I would wonder like why I get so frustrated at things is because my ego is like, people would be like, again, as a dog trainer, your job is to solve a problem. That's your job. Teach somebody how to be better and solve a problem that nobody else could. 
and you do that every day for a decade, um, 10 hours a day, Monday through Sunday at some points, you're going to have a certain ego of like, you're good at what you do. For me, I've taken a step back. I go, no, God gave me a gift. And now I'm working hard to utilize that gift and being smart. And if somebody doesn't agree with me, that's okay. But before I'd get very emotional, I would immediately get infuriated because it was my ego that was stepping up. It's almost like this um, persona, you know, like the devil and the angel. Mm -hmm. Explain. And then, so if somebody said something that wasn't true, perfect example is when I did positive punishment, meaning adding punishment to the equation. You taught me a lot about that as well as my friend Forrest Mickey. I remember I called you one day before I made that video. Yep. I said, just to get this clear so I don't look like an idiot, positive, and you were like, okay, positive punishment is like this. Yeah, I, was at an air, I remember I was at an airport, like waiting to fly me. We just did a quick breakdown. Yeah, it was great. But anyway, that back in the day would have been like, you're wrong. Let me tell you why I'm why you're wrong. I'll explain why. I'm, like I get, I used to get emotionally attached to being correct, and that was my ego. That's what I was waiting for you to get at right there. The the, the nuts and bolts of it, the emotional attachment to correctness. Yeah, I'm right. You're wrong. That's the one of the most beautiful, reduced, not reduced, but simplified to the point. That's what your ego is. It's what it is. It's that emotional attachment. It's I always think of it. It's that voice that is constantly telling you you're never wrong. Yeah. The voice that is constantly saying, don't let anybody think you're wrong. Don't let anybody think you're not as good as I think you are. Yeah, man. And it's good to have a little bit of ego. It's just what is your relationship with yeah. it? Are you someone who's a slave to it and says, you're right? Or are you someone who goes, hey, buddy, simmer down there, little fellow. Exactly. I, I appreciate your faith in us, man. That's why you're here. Yeah, stick exactly. around and then you get grounded and you move on um another on the topic of ego uh you ever read any Eckhart Tolle or Tolle I don't know for all the I don't know for all no. the purists I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct Eck, Eck, he fooled me so I don't care Eckhart Tolle he's got a couple books I think the one I'm referencing was probably I think Secrets of the Universe or something um let me tell you the book isn't about ego however when he started talking about ego and explaining it it was a life-changing moment. It was a... T-O-L-E, you think? T-O-L-L-E. Um, listening to him talk about ego and how it influences our life was a pivotal perspective shift in my life. Like, what was life it? Life-changing. What was it that... It was the just the idea of the emotional, without using the, those words, but explaining that emotional attachment right? The ability for something in the environment to invoke such a feeling mm. in you of, personal. Of, of inadequacy. Yeah. You feel attacked. When somebody disagrees with you, you feel attacked. If you have an attach, an emotional attachment to the point yeah. of contention. So that's why um, it's like my realtor said when I bought my first house. <laughs> he said, listen, man, whatever you do, don't get attached to anything we're about to see. We're going to look at as many houses as I can possibly show you. Just mm. so you can learn. You've never bought a house before. This is part education and part of let's find you a house. Yeah. And I, and I knew him outside of that context as well. So we had rapport. I'll listen to him. And we looked at some houses and there was one I felt I fell in love with. And guess what? Didn't You're get like, this is the one. Didn't get that one. Couldn't mm. get that one. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, don't get emotionally attached to any of this because it's, 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 it's got to be objective. You got to make smart choices and 
once you bring emotion into it, it's messed up. Well, I use that example to say, like, that's a great simple way to look at it. Like, don't get emotionally attached to ideas. Because if once you become emotionally attached, you've now actually put some of your identity on it. Yeah. You've peed on that tree. That's that's part of you. Now that idea has a part of you. Well, dang, that's going to make it a lot harder for that idea to evolve because you've attached yourself to it. You've put something pretty permanent and substantial, which is your identity, onto an idea mm-hmm. of how to train a dog or of, yeah. of whether or not intermittent fasting is ideal or, or, or Ford versus Ram. Ford, but yeah. I mean, Ram. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it, people put their identities into that. Yes. And so the minute someone questions that, mm-hmm. the ego says, they're talking about us, buddy. Mm-hmm. They're talking about us. Don't let them talk about us like that. It's like, no, they're not talking about us. They're talking about something we said, which is a representation of an idea. Why would we be emotionally attached to that? Because then it could never grow. Like you start to see the ridiculousness yeah, man. of forming an emotional attachment to an idea or a position. Yep. It doesn't suit you. It can never evolve. Yep. It can never evolve. And can you imagine never evolving? Can you imagine never getting better in some way, shape, or form? Doing something new. I can't. That's why that's why our world is in the place it's in. Like we've never been in this place, it seems, in our lifetime for sure, with because we're so emotional about stuff. Like we can't just go, Oh, you like Hillary? Cool. Oh, you like Trump? Cool. We can't. We just say, Oh, and you feel violated and emotionally attached to something. You can't just, and it's selfish is what it is. There was this post that this one person did about how somebody, I talk about these things again, because I think it's really helpful. This, to talk about, this post was about how selfish, it, when somebody's, it was basically the tagline was like, when somebody comes on your page and says something bad about you, it's actually a selfish thing for them or they disagree with you because they're actually saying what they believe, not what the reality is. So they're going on somebody's, I'm like, Hey, this is, this is my green cup. I really love my green cup. It's, um, it's a great green cup. And then you come on and you go, actually it's olive. It's, it's what your opinion is. So you go out of your way to come into my world to say what you think. And that's what, haters are is they just are selfishly telling other people how they feel they're making it about them you coming in here and saying actually it's not green it's olive is about you not about me okay so this is where you see in every facebook breed group (laughs) right someone's like hey I'm, i'm looking for some information on how to responsibly and and ethically create a dog house for my dog outside. Like I want to learn how to make it like completely awesome for them. And so they're comfortable in all conditions. Like they're saying, and someone will go, your dog should sleep in your bed with you. Cause mine sleep in mine. It's like, okay, number one, like no one wants to know what's going on in your bed. Didn't ask. Number two, <laughs> that's like some, they asked for information specific to responsibly building a dog house. Like, and I'm talking, I'm not even making that up. Like I've seen that. I've seen people word it in a very intelligent, responsible, ethical way. Like, I just want to know how to do this. They didn't say how long the dog was going to be out there. They didn't say what seat. They just wanted to know how to build a dog house responsibly. That's what met the dog's needs. And the flood of people being like, if your dog's outside, you should burn in hell. And it's like, 
they asked what's the best place to get french fries and you jumped on the post saying strawberry kool-aid is the best correct like no one's talking about kool-aid no one cares what you're drinking mm-hmm. but that's it it's just about them and that's another thing that really helped me is once i realized that like one isn't I, about you it's about them it's about them and that's taken a lot of again because you by educating myself what an ego is and understanding that because i used to think that if you have an ego it's bad and then i started educating myself about it and i realized everyone has an ego it's there for a reason yeah it's to protect you and all these other things but you can let it get out of control especially when you're um hmm especially when people are you're helping a lot of people and people are telling you how they think you're good when really you're just doing something that is easy. Like I'm not doing anything. To, like you said, there's nothing like that dog asked her again at that shelter that took me 90 seconds to change things that they've been working on for years. You could have done, Abby could have done that. <laughs> like a couple inside outside turns, boom, that's it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, once I educated myself on what these things were, I've realized, you know, when somebody comes, that's why I like, <clears throat> I'll delete people. And before I would get self-conscious because people would say, oh, you're just deleting people because you're, you know, you're wrong. I'm like, is that real? Oh, now I got to fight that. And I start realizing, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm doing it again. Mm-hmm. So now I have people that go and, and do all that. I'm like, literally anybody that's in there talking shit, get them out of my ecosystem. I don't want them in my life. If you have a question or whatever, I don't care. I'm not that. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like censoring anybody that has questions about what I'm doing. I'm just like, again, like, yeah, guys, I was just training this green cup today. And they're like, that's olive. How dare you say that that's green? I've studied around green cups and that's not green. It's all whatever. I'm like, you got to go. It you're, really, and, and you're toxic. It really is that ridiculous. It's, and it's that ridiculous. And, and now you're getting into territory that we all could benefit from. And I know a lot of the dog owners that I work with, this is a heavy component to our work is identifying when you should set a boundary, then knowing how to set that boundary and then being okay with the boundary. Once you've set it, I don't tolerate this. That's not that I don't want to interact with this type of energy because it's bad for me. There's nothing wrong about setting a boundary about energy and saying, I don't like how this makes me feel. And Mm -hmm. okay, boom, I'm not going to deal with this. And you've already reflected on whether or not you're avoiding something that you should be dealing with, or is it actually not like that? Some toxic stuff. I've learned what toxic is. I'm not going to do that. Identification complete. Now it's knowing how to appropriately do that. Okay. Now you know how to do it. Now do it. And people struggle with boundaries. Mm. This is like the bulk of dog training now. And this is like some stuff I'm working on and all my online work, um, looking at a totally new program that's in the, in the lab been beta testing with some one-on-ones of kind of really taking a different look at the presentation of the information mm-hmm. and, f- and having a deliberate shift. It's been happening organically. Now I want to be deliberate about it is shifting so much more onto talking about relationships. That's it. With dog owners. Like it's about functional relationships and so much of what we do. It's not about the sit and the down. Yeah. Having a stationary static hold is important. Having a reliable recall, undeniably important to your dog's safety and enjoyment and fulfillment and freedom in life. 
there's some other stuff we got to get done before we can do work on that recall and that down. And that is having a functional, healthy relationship between mm -hmm. dog and person. And literally for anyone watching this, this show today, it's like, we've talked about so much stuff that wasn't specifically directly, obviously about a dog, mm -hmm. was, but everything we've talked about was about relationship, either relationship with self, relationship with others. And guess what you have with your dog? A relationship. So I would bring the position that everything said today, quite literally everything could fall under the umbrella of useful guidance for you with your dog because it's about your relationship with yourself, which you bring into your relationship with your dog. And I'm quadrupling down on that now with dog owners. Let's talk about these relationships. Boundaries. We all know they're important in our romantic lives, whether or not we execute them appropriately or not. We're not ignorant to that. Most people are not ignorant to the reality of the benefit of boundaries, regardless of whether they're able to do it or not. Mm. When their friend comes to them and complains about their relationship, regardless of how bad theirs is, they're like, yeah, I know, you, you got to set some boundaries there. That's a problem. And then you look at their life with their dog, their relationship with their dog. There's no boundaries from the human to the dog. And it's like, wow, your dog's be treating you in ways and behaving in ways that you, you're not happy with. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking to me. Like, there's some things going on here that you genuinely don't like for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. What does that usually look like? What's Give me a roadmap. Give me context of what's your normal client. Do they? What do they do? They email you? Like, how, how does your ecosystem work? For the most part, it's going to be they come through a social media exposure. DM. Direct message. Something. Yep. I get a DM or I get a Facebook message um, just through either someone referred me. I have not. That's why, like when I work with dog trainers, I tell them right up front, like I don't take any money in exchange for education on paid advertising. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it. Like I'm a white belt with no stripes. Mm -hmm. I know it's a good thing when you have the right system set up. I don't know how to do it. I've never paid a dime for advertising. I do content marketing, mm -hmm. which do not, do not, people try to deny. No, that is marketing. It's just content marketing. Mm -hmm. I present information out there through social media and various outlets. So people will DM me, shoot me a Facebook message. We have a phone conversation or uh, we have a chat, Insta, a chat. Mm -hmm. And I determine right there like, Hey, should we have a conversation? Yeah. All right. Boom. Let's hop on a zoom. Let's interview each other. Let me find out what you got going on. And in that, in that process, I've sent them stuff that educates them on what I do. Because what I do is very different than what most people are familiar with in a commercial dog training context. Do you ever get to a point where it's not, my, my staff has a hard time with this too. Do you get to a point where you're talking to somebody and you're like, mm, this isn't going to work? Very rarely. Just by a way, possibly of my social media the vibe, like I don't, I think in, I've only had one person ever who was opposed to any type of aversive, realistic, natural, holistic approach. They, they weren't into that. They wanted a very cultivated, mm. that fit an, an idea. And um, only one ever did I get on a call with. But have you ever, but you've never told somebody that you've never denied somebody because of their not willingness because that'll make you look bad if they weren't committed. If they were like, yeah, I just want you to fix the problems though. It, it never ends up even coming to a situation where we could work together because by nature of the conversation that I have with everyone that comes out, that'll come out one way or the other. So you filter that out first. Oh, I'm transparent. Well, I'm tr so transparent. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, listen, I run an online dog training program that really isn't even a dog training program. It's a dog owner coaching program. 
Yep. It's like, I can't touch your dog's leash unless I'm traveling and you want to book a private, which they always do because <laughs> they, you know, and which is always great after they've been in the online and I do travel a lot. So getting to meet someone, that's what last night I got to meet someone who's in my online program and then we got to fine tune some things. Um, but most of it, it's like, I can't train your dog and I don't want to train your dog. I don't want to rob you of the opportunity to improve your relationship with your dog. And every time I touch that leash, I'm stealing a rep that you could have had. Mm-hmm. So we don't get to the point where they're even going to enroll in my program. That's taken care of in the, in the interview process. It's very clear of what I can do, what I can't do. And it's very clear if I help them identify where the problems are. So you said, what does it look like? Like, well, I mean, it's, it's situations where they have no reliable control over the animal. And when I say reliable control, what is that? Like they cannot verbally say anything that the dog will always do. And they cannot verbally make any sound that will always stop undesirable behavior. The only control they can have is if they are physically restraining the dog. That's when we talk about reliable control. And almost always they never have that. Well, why don't they? The, they, the relationship has room for growth. Three components to a relationship, communication, respect, and trust. They usually have massive room for growth and at the very least, uh, communication and respect. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's some trust in there. Like the dog knows the person might isn't you know bad um communication and respect massive areas of um future strength we'll call it that why because they just no one taught them dogs don't come with instruction books no one knows all they know is like hey i got this animal he's cute i like it and makes me feel good when i look at him makes me feel good when i touch him I, i don't know what he does i don't know why he does the things he does Oh, let me go on Facebook. Let me ask a bunch of people who I have no idea who they are. I have no idea if they can even, they've ever produced the results that I'm looking for. Yeah. And then they hear some advice that sounds okay. They go try. It, it's just a mess. And I come in, I'm like, hey guys, let's talk about what a dog is first. Mm-hmm. How do you spell dog? <laughs> Highly social opportunistic predator scavenger. Mm-hmm. That's how I spell dog. Let's talk about what this wonderful, amazing animal that has captivated me for the majority of my life and fascinated me and has earned my awe. Let's talk about how cool and rad this species is. Yeah. Because if we don't know who we're in a relationship with, how can we have a truly fulfilling functional relationship? Yeah. And people don't know who their dogs are. And I love helping them see their dog for the first time. And knowing what it is. Because I think that that's big. It's almost like getting a car and then you bring it in for an oil change and the dealer comes out and is like, hey, do you do this? You're like, what's that? They go, Doop. they hit this button and your car does a new thing and you're like, what the? I didn't know it did that. That's usually what it's like when a dog trainer tells their dog like what you just said. So when they come in and they have the behavioral issue, they're pulling on the leash. It's exactly how I'll sometimes break that up. Is I'll just say like, exactly that like let's talk about what this dog is like this dog is a savage it doesn't look like a savage because you made it this what you think it is you made it what you think a doodle is or what you think this chihuahua pomeranian dog is but they're savages they'll go out and kill a kitten and they'll eat dog poop and they'll eat rabbit poop and they'll they're savages they can live on their own um they can go outside in cold weather they can go outside in the heat they'll figure it out like they're savages and animals. And then you get that animal and you bring it into your life without any communication, any training, no ABCs, no what's being polite. Nothing. Nothing. And they go, oh, 
My dog won't walk on a leash. How long have you worked on heel? Huh? <laughs> or <laughs> my dog won't come back. How long have you worked on recall? So there's all these, what I've started coining them on a little bit is like symptoms, but they're not, they're not really what the problem is, right? Like you're coughing, sneezing, have a sore throat. Maybe you have the, maybe you have a cold, right? That's the problem. These are the symptoms. Relationship is the problem. Pulling on the leash, not coming back when called, barking on the leash, reacting, anxiety is the symptoms of having a bad relationship. So like what you said, the moment that you start working on the relationship and you go, hey, ask your dog to sit. And they go, sit. The dog's like, mm mm. And I give him, a, I go, hold him accountable, give him a little, show some backbone here. Give a little, why would I, why would your dog want to listen to you and give faith into you and feel confident with you if you can't even get them to sit? Okay, okay. They pull up on their leash. The dog puts their butt on the ground. And then <laughs> two seconds later, they're up. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them and they're like, looking at me like, and I'm like, put your dog back into a sit. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Sit. And they put their dog into a sit and they ask him four or five times. Things that you get to see every day, I'm sure. Yep. So once we start working on that relationship, like you're talking about, then all of the other things start to go away. Once we do thresholds. Yeah. Which is the first thing I do with all clients. Yeah, the first boundaries. thing they're actually going to do with the dog, whether it's in my online program or whether I'm coming over to your house, we're going to set some boundaries. You're going to, you're not going to bolt out the front door. If they're utilizing a crate, awesome. You're not going to bolt out the crate door. And within moments, you can watch massive, massive growth mm -hmm. in whatever journey they want to be on, whatever mm -hmm. they're trying to achieve just by helping them set some boundaries. I did that the other day. It was someone I went to high school with, they reached out, they knew what I did, hadn't seen them in like 20 years. Yeah, you know, they two Vishlas, under a year, two male intact. You know, they had, they had asked me about Vishlas like a while ago and I was like, yeah, don't do it. Just not the, gonna be the good thing for you. So they got to. Um, Naturally. Yeah. And you know, I walk in and it was the usual. It was the usual. And, and this is a great example because like she absolutely, the owner tried like this. It's a good example because like not everyone is just like, they don't care. There are people who care and are still struggling. She cared to her credit. And I was telling her that like throughout, you know, our time together as she was learning some things and I was doing things really quickly and getting results that she hasn't been able to get for months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but just understand this. It's not for lack of trying. Like I validated the crap out of her effort. You have to. Because it's real and people are out there. And she went online. She's like, I, tra I train like 20 minutes each dog every day. And I'm like, yeah, but what you're doing actually has nothing to do. Obviously, obviously it has nothing to do with the issues, which were jumping on people, counter surfing, um, general, just like over arousal, stealing food, just kind of being dicks. Yeah. In a non-hostile, just kind of pain in the ass when you got two adolescent, exactly. you know, bouncer. That's a lot of dogs running around moving mm -hmm. things. And she's like, yeah, but no, I've been training. I, I have a new and positive reinforcement training. I was like, what's positive reinforcement training? I was being slightly coy, but I'm like, oh, you mean well, positive? Well, okay. That's just something you do after, that's a thing you do after a behavior that makes that behavior. It's not like a whole way of training. Mm-hmm. I was trying to like get her off those rails. Like, no, we all use positive reinforcement to get things 
to happen more often. But there's a whole lot of other things that dogs have to learn. For example, like remember when I came in the house? So when I came in the house, the two dogs were jumping all over me. And there's there's very few situations where I even have that type of setup. But this is someone I've known. This is informal. I'm not getting paid. Like this is mm-hmm. that's you know, nice of you. Yeah, we're just hey, let's catch up. I haven't seen you in 20 years. Let's work through this. She's like, oh, they're jumping on you, dog trainer. Get them to stop. I'm like, oh, that's not how I'm going to get them to stop. I don't need you don't need to see me do it. I mean, I'll fix it right this second, mm-hmm. and it won't happen again. Um, right now, I'd really like to see you get them to stop. She's like, well, they don't jump on me. I'm like, okay, wonderful. So use whatever knowledge and training that you apparently have to get them to stop jumping on me right now. And she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not like, I understand why she couldn't. I needed her to have that realization of the difference between they don't jump on you, but now they're jumping on me and you can't get them to stop. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to let them out. I watched her. She was letting them out the front door and or the back door. And I mean, they had a visible fence. Mm-hmm. So two dogs at the door, open it up, explosion as they're all out there. And this, you know, I'm just doing my audit. We're talking, hey, I haven't seen you in this many years. How's work life? How's work? You got kids? Da, 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 da. Okay, now it's time for my audit. Like, here's what's going on. And all I did was one rep, solamente uno, mm-hmm. at the back door. A, maybe less than five minutes of, I call it, I go, you go which is nothing more than good old-fashioned silence and 90 180 degree turns. Mm-hmm. I move, you move. I stop, you stop. I didn't even beat that to death because it was muddy out back and there was dog poop everywhere. And they were vicious, a little fragile. I don't like jumping in that heavy with dogs like that because mm-hmm. they're like, whoa. Go back inside, did a little food activity of um, put some food on the ground and just communicate holistically in a way that the dog understands that you're not to touch that food on the ground because it's mine. Mm-hmm. and after that like the dogs were just like sitting quietly super affectionate with me by the way like i went and got on the floor with them and super politely affect like coming in differently mm-hmm. when they first met me they were jumping all over me now they're coming in at appropriate angles and they're showing deference and they're licking and they're like they're doing all these wonderful and she's looking she's like what the mm-hmm. is going on and then i said hey you know look Never mind that. She had just cooked dinner. I said, let's have, let's have our dinner. So she had cooked dinner and we're eating and we're watching and, you know, we're hanging out with our kids and just kind of this whole dynamic and I'm letting it happen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are the dogs doing? She's like, yeah, they're just like chilling. It ain't about OB. It isn't about, we didn't do a hundred sit stays, recall drills. I don't, there's no, like these dogs just finally had somebody kind of go, Hey, listen, buddy. No, we're not going to do that here. We can Hmm. do this. We can do this. And so when they're doing something I want, I got up and went over and gave one a little bit of food because he was chilling. He was being cool. Mm -hmm. She's like, what'd you do? I'm like, I just paid him because like, I love what he's doing right now. He's being completely cool. Yeah. The next day I get a, a message dude, dot, dot, dot. This is crazy. I have two different dogs. What is going on? Thank you so much. Like you've, and I think the big thing for her, you made me realize and feel comfortable with other ways that I can communicate with my dog ways that she had been told never to do ways that she had been lied to and told would be corrosive to the relationship. When actually that's what was missing from the relationship. Mm -hmm. There were no boundaries. There were no rules. There were truly no rules. And no rules isn't a fun place for anyone, especially our dogs. No. <clears throat> Ask the dogs in the shelters. Ask Aster. 
the dog that took me 90 seconds to get to a point to be adopted. Those are, those are the dogs in shelters. Exactly. Yep. 100%. That's the, who's in there. So, the same thing I was telling you about. Like The moment you apply boundaries, that's it. They're like, oh. What do you, they, they immediately go to like a little, 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 and you're like, nope. They're like, oh, what do you, and then they become a dog. You're you like, find out a lot doing? about who they are too. Yeah. And you find out about how long the spoiling has been going on because oh, you yeah. get a variety of responses. There are some dogs who are just like, oh my God, you complete me. Mm-hmm. Like, do it again, daddy. Yeah. They're just <laughs> like in love with a little bit of structure. And they're yep. just like, I don't have to think anymore and worry about this world. I'll do whatever. Actually, I'm going to take a nap right now because this just feels so good. Yeah, that little, little dog, dog that yeah. you showed earlier. Yeah. And others will kind of be like, what's this crap? And they'll try to run back to mommy where they can feel empowered. I'll try to fight you. Yeah, they do that too. Yeah. And that's what you're learning. You're like, oh. Yeah. And it's you find out who you are. Questions that we get usually is like, what makes the variances of behaviors? And, and, and it, it varies from yeah. breed to age, to sex, to individual dog bloodline. Yeah, it's so. That's why. That's why it's like. I don't even want to say borderline, but it's inhumane, unethical, unreasonable, irresponsible to put a a book on a dog of like this is how to train a dog. Like, what? Are you crazy? Are you mad? Like, what type of what type of narcissistic person goes around thinking that they have the only way to train a dog? I don't even have the way to train a dog. I'm still working at it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I mean, and, and the elephant in the room that I try to talk about as often as possible is what, you know, a lot of us are willing and a lot of people in the space are willing to accept the reality that who the dog is, is a variable. Yep. The identity of that individual dog actually matters. They do have unique temperaments. There are some that are easier than others. There are some that are easier in some areas. And hard. Okay, cool. We can all agree that the dog's an individual. You ever see Santa Claus? The movie with Tim Allen? Oh, I have, but... Do you know the, you know the stepdad? I do not recall. Anyway, you sounded just like him right there. Go on. No, I'm going to have to watch it. Um, he goes, how does that make you? He's a therapist. <laughs> and so it's stepdad versus dad. Dad is Tim Allen. Okay. Stepdad is a therapist. And he did exactly. How does that make you feel, Scott? You just nailed that. Anyway, go ahead. Now, now I'm obsessed with, I have to like go watch that movie again. Um, Sorry, go ahead. So the we elephant were, in the room. Yes, sorry. I completely derailed okay. you there. But that was like literally, I'll show you a clip after. You sounded just like him. You ever seen that movie? Oh my God, that was crazy. How about we talk about the variable of the dog owner? Yeah. Skill sets they have, their background, their time. How much time do they have? I have really went down that rabbit hole with my clients in the past couple, especially when I got into the group coaching model. So the canine blueprint started out as one-to-one. Now it's a group coaching. So yeah, you have course content that you learn fundamentals and the whys before I ever talk about the hows. And then you can apply things and you start working and making changes with your dog. But I don't, I'm not ready to give up Mm -hmm. the coaching part. 
Like I'm not ready just to like send people off on their own because of everything we're talking about right now, the variable of dog and the variable of human. So I do live coaching calls where they hop on and they're on Zoom and I'm either reviewing video or sometimes they don't even have a video. Sometimes we're just having like a real deep conversation about anxiety and stress and how it's relating to their life with their dog. Mm. And the more I do that, one, I love it. I love with the working with the people part, which is why I cringe or at least try to offer my assistance and guidance when I hear dog trainers. Like, yeah, I got into dog training because I love dogs and can't stand people. I'm like, you got in the wrong job. Well, that's a really good point. And I don't think we've ever brought it up. It's a really good point because there's a lot of them out there. And that's where I started. Um, so in all of the seminars I do, a lot, it's 80% dog trainers. And they all struggle with some of the things that I am good at, which is working with people. I love. I love it too. I love working with the dog owner. They tell me straight up, they go, I just, I don't like people. I don't have any patience for them. Mm. And so it's like. We need to work on that. Yeah. Either we need to work on developing that, which is is developable. I know because I'm doing it right now with dog trainers and helping them with their communication skills and helping them create systems that make communicating easier so they can work on other avenues. Or it's like maybe looking at a different way you can interact with the dog training space. There are some people who it's like, you know what, we do need to find a different avenue for you or a different application. Um, But at the end of the day, it's that piece of, I have to still coach because every single dog owner is different. And they are all bringing yeah. different pasts, different presents, different anxieties, different traumas. Like we have to work through that. And I understand that there are some who aren't comfortable touching on that stuff and that's fine. And maybe they can excel in another area. And it's all like a, it's kind of like, you know, when you're built, when you're playing video games, you're building your fighter, you're building your team. Do you want yeah. speed, endurance? Do you want the, like, you can kind of pick. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That's all I think about. But that's what it's like. Scrolling, watching the videos. I know. Welcome to the club. Well, it's the same thing. Like a tra- Some trainers might be really good at some things. Double down on that. Work on this to be well-rounded, but figure out where your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And that part of working with the person and the fact that I enjoy it so much and the results that I've seen in their lives is so cool that now I just talk about it more and I focus on helping them more with that because they get more miles out of it yep. than other areas. And I know they're not going to, there aren't, I don't know of any other places that are going to like work with them like that on that stuff, mm-hmm. but we have to start helping the dog owner realize what they need to change Yeah, with their perspective. Cause everything we've talked about in this whole show that didn't seem like it was about dogs. No, it was about self. And if you work on self and you improve self, you're bringing a better self to the relationship with the dog. So why should all that stuff be off the table for conversation? No, let's dip into it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out how we can become more confident because our dog needs us to be more confident. Yeah. And the, the better you are, the, 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 the better the relationship can be. And at the yeah. end of the day, isn't that what we want? Do we want to yeah. be our best for our dog? Don't, you know, if I want to give my dog my best, you hear that a lot. I give my dog the best. You give the dog the best of everything except the best of yourself. Yeah, best bed, best treats, best leash, uh, best blanket, best raincoat, uh, best Kong. You got to edit in like a flames over the the, the picture right there when I said that. Like give the best of yourself. I got to take a pee break. You got a pee break? No, I'm chronically dehydrated. 
back from a pee break. So going back to what we were talking about with the relationship of dog owners and it's interesting how they come in with all of these external problems or symptoms or whatever we want to call it. And then you and I are like, it's not that. Like I came in here, KD, because my dog was pulling on the leash. I've even gotten clients when I used to work with them privately that would get mad that I wouldn't work with the things that they wanted to work on. And I'm like, you're not ready for that. Like, you're just not. Like this one girl who came in was working with one of my staff and then she requested me and she's like, I'm just not. And I talked to him. I said, what's going on? They said, well, her dog is pulling on the leash and nipping people. And so she came in, but she doesn't have any obedience. So we worked on, I'm working on leash pressure, introducing the fundamentals of how a dog yields to leash pressure. Mm-hmm maybe negative reinforcement, if you want to call it that. As soon as the dog feels that leash pressure, what do I do? How do I turn this off? What's this mean? What's this information mean? So he's like, I was doing that. And she just kept saying like, I'm not here for this. But he kept saying like, I understand that. It's like going into the doctors to say, hey, it's really bad sore throat. And they're like, oh, that's because of this. And you're like, I just want you to fix this. They're like, well, if you fix that, this is just going to make that happen again. Again. Right? So... I went in, did the session. This is, I don't know, six year, five, six years ago. I'm really bad with time though, so I don't know. It could, be, it could have been last year. <laughs> it wasn't. So I, I said, what's going on? She's like, well, so I literally opened the door like this, pull it open. I say, yeah, come on in. I wave her in because this was at my old facility. We'd have to wave people in because we only had one training room versus 10. Mm-hmm. Pushed it open. Come on in. She started coming in. I started walking. She started coming through. And I felt this bang on the back of my leg. I'm like, okay. I've been, it wasn't a bad bite. Didn't break skin. Didn't even bruise. I just felt the dog grab my pant leg. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I turned around. I said, what's going on? And she's kind of an older, so I'm very patient human. That's like one thing. It's like the only thing I'm patient at really is like, I'm very like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But with dog owners, I'm very patient because I loved I loved the problem solve, which is probably why I really am obsessed with jujitsu because that's all it is. It's a big equation every second. Nonstop problem solving. Yes. So I said, what's the deal? She said, well, we're in here with Kyle and he's nice, but we're not working on the thing I came in here for. And I said, okay. So, she, so anyway, long story short, I said, well, you're here because your dog is lunging at people. And I was like, your dog just lunged and bit my leg, my pant leg. She was like mortified. She's like, oh my God, really? I'm like, yep. And then I said, the, the thing is, is if you can't get your dog to walk nicely on the leash, we can't do anything. doesn't matter what your dog wants to do because you can't change personality. You can change behavior, but you can't change how the dog feels a lot of times if they don't like people they don't like people if they don't like dogs they don't like dogs like if i don't like olives i don't like olives i don't care how you dress them up or stuff them with blue cheese I'm not gonna like them. whatever so i was explaining this to her but it was such a realization for me to then utilize and then talk about in future conversations like right now that that's what it's about for sometimes dog owners come in and i tell them i go now you came in here for leash reactivity. We're going to go into this back room and we're going to work on basics. And you're probably going to be like, why are we doing this? But trust me when I say the reason why your dog is reactive is because your dog won't sit for you for, for more than four seconds. And they come in and their dog's going. Dur, 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 dur. Sure enough, as, as we continue to work on things, 
we start bringing dogs in. Okay, good. Now that we got the sit, we got the place, we got the thresholds down like you talked about. Let's bring a couple dogs in. Because you came in here for leisure activity, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Dogs come in, do your sit, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes away. It's amazing how that works. Have you heard my house analogy? No. One of my favorites. Let's hear it. You built your own house, but you're not a carpenter. Mm -hmm. You YouTubed it. You're pretty proud of it. It's good enough to have friends over and, hey, look what I did. Mm -hmm. Year in, you start noticing some cracks in the second floor hallway wall. Cracks in the sheetrock. You want to get that fixed, you call up a contractor. There's a couple different types of contractors that come. You got one that comes in, looks at that crack, and doesn't realize why the crack is there, how it got there. Just, hey, there's a crack. You're going to pay me to tape it up and fix it. Sure, boom. Give me your money. Boom. Bye. Mm -hmm. Another contractor is going to come in. Now, he knows why that crack is there, but he's not going to tell you because you don't seem to really care about anything beyond the crack. Just fix this crack. Mm. He's the unsavory one. He comes in. He's like, yeah, sure, because he knows you're going to call again. He makes sure to let you know if you have any other problems to let him know, and here's what that payment structure looks like. Because <laughs> you're going to be back, because he knows the real reason. Let's talk about the real reason. I try to be the contractor who comes in, and you show me that sec that crack in the second floor, and I'm going to validate the heck out of you in that crack. Like, yep, I see that crack. That's pretty unsightly. I agree with you. I wouldn't want that either. And you, you know, you're probably going to have some other issues as well. But can I see the basement? Why do you want to look in the basement for? We're on the second floor. This is where the crack is. Like, yeah, I, I get it, and I'm I'm with you on that. That's we're gonna we're we're gonna get that crack and address it. Gone. <laughs> can I? Can you just humor me? I'm here. Let me see the basement, or in the, the south, it's the crawl space, and let me see the foundation or whatever. And I go down there, and I find out it's a sixteenth of an inch off. There's not a level line in the whole house. Nothing is plumb. The whole house is crooked. Mm. I'm like, yeah, actually, here's your problem. So here's the deal. If I were to patch that crack, which I can right now, you'll call me back in a day or in a week very upset because the crack will be back or there will be other ones. Or you go to put some tile, redo the bathroom, and you can't get any of the tile straight because you realize the countertops aren't level. And it's just going to be one thing after another, and then this is going to start leaking. And that's the foundation of your house, Zach. We got to address that. Mm. Because every layer you put on top of a crooked foundation, it gets farther and farther away. It's like math. Like the, if you look at an angle, oh, angle's little here, but as the lines keep going, they get yeah. they get farther apart. The more time goes on, well, that's life with the dog. You, you you bring that dog home, especially those out there who are and, and bless them for going to the shelters and the foster groups and getting these dogs and giving them a second or third chance. They bring them home, but they have no idea how to bring them home. Mm -hmm. They don't know that there's actually things that can like make it or break it or that can set them up for massive success or massive failure. Mm -hmm. And the more time goes on, the more you put and add into that relationship when it wasn't built with a, a level slab or a level foundation, the farther away it gets, the more dangerous it gets on the way up. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to patch the crack, even if you want me to. Like, I'm going to say, yeah, sorry, I'm not that guy. I'm actually going to solve your whole problem. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you build a house that will last you a lifetime, one that you will be happy to be in, one that can weather the storms. Because really, that's what we want for these dog owners, to be able to weather the storm of life. The, and what does the storm mean? The storm means the random off-leash dog that comes charging at them while they're walking. To be able to tell your dog to down mm. and hold that down while you deal with the dog however you need to. Like, the, the storms of life. Because when you can weather that, what do you do? You take your dog more places with you. 
and you enjoy those places because you're not constantly worried about their behavior. And then you trust your dog and your dog trusts you and now you're doing cool stuff with them. And oh my gosh, you're living a life that more and more people never get to even see now with their dogs. If we work on the foundation or like in, in the example you gave, like, well, no, we're not going to just start leash popping. Like that's not going to be our first intervention here. Mm-hmm. Like let's find a dog and let's correct it when it barks. Like not that there's anything wrong with corrections, but like that's not the time or place. How about we look at something else? And then, like you said, watch it all melt away because that was never the real problem. Mm -hmm. That's why I call it holistic because people like that word, makes them feel good. But it's actually true. It's based in nature. Holistic is natural. It's natural. Natural is the feedback loop of reality. Mm -hmm. Relationships are part of reality. Oh, you want to put a label on me? You need to put me in a box to feel better? Cool. Put me in that relationship-based training box. Mm. I'll sit in that one. Because that's what it is. Yep. Communication, leadership, trust. Evidence. That'll piss people off. Thought about that. Put an evidence-based dog trainer in my bio. That's all I have is evidence. That's, for, a, that's a good one. For a decade. And in a lot of countries. Tons of evidence. <laughs> that would ruffle some feathers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I sat down and... <clears throat> was filming this program that we were going to call the No Bed Dog Puppy Course. And after about halfway through, I looked at Abby and I was like, this isn't a puppy course. I'm like, every single thing that we're working on, which was like the basic obedience plus thresholds. So how to introduce the place plus a threshold. So like an implied stay or even a stay. The crate plus a stay or, a crate, you know, whatever. I was like, this is actually fundamentally all the things that the behavioral clients come in that are missing everything, literally leash introduction, thresholds, basic obedience, engagement, having the dog go, Oh, you matter. And so we moved it from (laughs) the no bad dog Kickstarter or no bad dog puppy course to the Kickstarter course. Cause we realized like, this is actually what everyone is missing that has behavioral problems. Like this is actually what I do. I wish the clients came in with behavior did. So I always tell people to be proactive instead of reactive. Don't wait for there to be a problem. Yep. Cause that's what everyone does is I'm getting a puppy next month. I don't know if I told you that flying to Texas to get a puppy. No, you didn't. Yeah. Going to Houston, going to Austin, going to Austin. You ever been to Austin? No. Ever been to Texas? Driven through. Okay. Going to Austin <clears throat> next month. We're going to go to the comedy ship. Um, Joe Rogan's, uh, um, comedy club. Not just because it's Joe Rogan's. I mean, yeah, I like his podcast or whatever, but he's got a lot of killer talent going on in there. He's got it going on. And then we're going to Houston to pick up my puppy. But anyway, I'm going to film the whole process. Because one thing I, like with Lakota, my dog now, she's eight. And everyone's always like, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? I'm like, part of it's breed. She's a KNPV line, working line Dutch Shepherd. What's this puppy? tell you later okay got it so part of that is that but the other part is like the training i did and i always tell people i haven't trained this dog in eight years (laughs) i did everything when she was eight weeks old and then when she was six months she was fully awfully strained focused healing and then i i've been conditioning Mm -hmm. for eight years 
But that's it. People are always like, how long did that take? Because that's what they want to see, right? They see you out there with a the fancy dog. How do I get that? How long did that take? Or it's like when I walk in, I'm like, how long did it take you to get your purple belt? You're like, it's not going to take you the same. Whether it's longer or shorter, it doesn't matter. Everybody's different. It's a different dog, different beast, different whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting though, because people just wait for there to be a problem. It's like you said with the house, build it right instead of calling later and saying like, Hey, there's a crack. What do you, do you, do you see that? Cause that's what all I see is people come in, especially with behavioral problems. And I'm like, this all could have been avoided. Like I had a girl come in the other day with a dojo, Argentino, Argentina, Argentino. Same difference. I know what you mean. Is she, uh, is, she, is she an avid uh, hunter? No. <laughs> oh, no, she's not? Oh, interesting, because she got a hunting dog. So, a year intact dog, and she reached out. She's like, hey, I need to get him trained. He's big and powerful. But he started like started training with him, started working with him a little bit. And intact males are a different beast, as you know. And he started looking at me, and he started lunging at me biting my sleeves. She's like, oh, he's never done that. I'm like, has he ever been told no before? Has he ever been held accountable? She's like, no. It was like the first time she put a leash on the dog. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. When I say that, it's a good thing, though, because people always, like, I even tell this to my my staff, and I tell it to the people in my comments sometimes, especially on YouTube, because people always like, Wrong dog, wrong owner. I'm like, she's, you guys, you're not, you're not looking at this the right way. You're watching a dog training. She came in, paid me money and said, I need help. You know what you're doing. Help me. Like, that's the very first step. Mm -hmm. I hate when people do that. Like my staff sometimes would be like, oh, like, you know, this, this dog owner, they're really having a hard time and maybe it's not the right dog for them. I'm like, guys, this is your job. Like this is, and they're not saying it negatively or even complaining. They're just conflicted they're like why did they get this dog like that that's already gone how successful have you been out of the dogs that shouldn't be with the owner that you said or maybe you didn't say like hey you should get rid of your dog it's not going to happen it's committed the family loves the dog they love the dog the whole nine you're already done like if if you were to just like we wouldn't have jobs if we if somebody came in and you're like wrong dog get another one <laughs> like I have told people though that the most ethical responsible thing for them to do is yes. to on their dog I have absolutely and the way I've, I'll frame it depending on the situation and it's usually it's a very unique 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 like I can only remember one in the last one and a half in the last ten years where I'm like listen I am professionally and ethically obligated to say the following i strongly advise you to find a better a home better suited for your dog Mm -hmm. that's usually after a dog's bitten several people or i see like severe i see problems that that combined with the owner has to also demonstrate somewhere along the line the ability to do what's needed to resolve them even with professional help and if that owner doesn't show me what they need to show me well, now I have to say it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm leaving them. Like, hey, if you want to keep learning, like, we'll, we'll keep working on these things. But, like, you're in a situation now where, like, people are getting hurt. They're, and I just, I know that's a, it's an exception, not the rule, and we don't usually talk about exceptions. But I also want to make sure that people are who have rehomed their dogs because they got good advice 
that it it was a potentially I want I want them to not feel alienated because it's a real thing and I don't think they I think sometimes the world is quick to like poo poo on them like oh you gave up on your dog like no there are some there are absolutely some situations where it's in everyone dog included's best interest that an arrangement be made yeah they just usually don't they don't they don't don't. again how to throw that in there for those folks so they didn't because I know oh, yeah. not enough people are, are supportive of some of those decisions. Um, in the meantime, you have the bulk of everyone else who, you're right, they shouldn't have got that dog. Mm-hmm. But as long as we're not looking in the face of like massive safety issues, it's just going to be really hard. Yeah. All right, suit up and let's do the hard work. But don't wait. Right? I mean, like, that's why it's, I was, that waiting is never good. No, I, that's why I, never, I don't know never. why people... It's like waiting to get super obese and then wanting to work out. Or, or I mean, we can go on for days and analogies, but. I still think, man, I'm being like amazingly optimistic and understanding and empathetic right now. It's all the coffee and morning jujitsu. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, th- I still want to, I do believe, not want to believe because I, I know them and I work with many of them. I believe there are people out there who absolutely had the best intentions. They didn't know they didn't know. They truly yep. didn't because so much like messed up stuff has become normalized mm-hmm. through social media that they actually think this is the way this is supposed to go. And then they questioned the, the amount of guilt and shame yeah. that so many dog owners experience because they're made to feel bad about their experience or they're made to feel like a failure because they haven't achieved this or their dog is behaving this way. Like dog owners are carrying so much emotional stuff there that they yeah. don't have to just because of like some toxic voices in the, in our culture. Yeah. And our job is to come in there and say, yeah, you're right. You know, you shouldn't have got, I mean, that wasn't, it's not the dog I would have picked out for you, but let's work through this the best we can Maybe they just didn't know. They just didn't know. They, they, especially younger and younger people, they don't yeah. know. They think it is just a little something to get. And it's not. It's an animal. <laughs> a lot of times it's not little, though. <laughs> think about this. And this is me just <laughs> talking out loud. Like, do you think... Oh, no, there are... Little. I just thought about this. Like, think about big, scary dogs or big dogs. Like, they're big for a reason. Like, they're big to... They, genetically, that's not a word, but you know what I mean. Dogs that are big are bred to be big for a reason. They don't. There's they don't. A, there's only a couple of reasons, man. Not all, and it's not for for uh, body pillows, that, right? <laughs> I just thought of that. I like just now when we're thinking. I'm like the dojos, the Rottweilers, the Mastiffs, um, the new. Even we have a newfie puppy in here, actually, so cute, all running around. But the uh, Pyrenees, like these. Big. People that get the livestock guardians and they bring him Ooh. into a suburban home and they're like, he's so pretty. It's like he's so protective and he's now going to kill everybody. Like the Anatolian shepherd people that get these dogs. Like I pulled up to a property once. I was looking at a farm and this was a couple years ago. It's a farm out, out and we were going to buy it. We were pulling up and then these two Anatolians come running out come running out and they're sitting there posturing up and they're on a fence uh electric fence they're just sitting there their driveways you know like a farm road driveways three miles long so they're sitting there and we get close and they're just looking at us i'm like that they're like they were they were livestock and i'm like that's what they're supposed to be doing but i I don't know i just had that epiphany i'm like wow 
big dogs aren't big to be big. They're big for a reason, to protect against lions, tigers, wolves, coyotes. People. People. Like, they're that big for a reason. And then when people get them, even for the intentions, I've seen this too, like younger people, specifically like younger females getting these big dogs. I don't know. I've seen a trend like they work out and then they go home to their dog and they hold their dog. And I'm like, this is, this is an ego thing. This is a filling void thing. I'm like, this is not going to be good. No, it's going to end in disaster. Disaster. Because now you have to either get rid of your dog, euthanize your dog, or never be able to take your dog out because instead of training your dog, you just sat at home and took pictures with it. Bad idea. Like I, I made a video once that my staff always quote me on there. Like everybody want, I said, I had this Rottweiler that I was working with. Remember that? This Rottweiler out here. And he was a, I think he was an intact male working line Rottweiler. And if you like Rottweilers, he's your dog. Like he's great. And he was like, I, I, I don't know. We were working on impulse control on food, scatter feed. He went for the food and I was just working. Nope, nope, nope. And then he started getting pissed. Yeah, pushing me, leash climbing, looking at me. I said, everybody wants a Rottweiler until they start doing Rottweiler shit. Like, that's the cool thing to do. And so I've just been seeing that big trend too, that it's not even about like training people and training dogs. We can even be more proactive than that. Hey, do your research. That's why the dog I'm getting is kind of... Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's a very big, powerful dog that I don't want anybody to get. That's why I'm not going to say it. Cause when I announced that I'm getting this dog, I'm going to do the whole Understood. responsible thing of like, don't, have, don't, yep. you know, even like with Lakota, my duchy, she's like the best duchy. And I still like am reluctant. Everyone's like, Oh, what kind of shepherd is that? I'm like, Oh, it's a mix. I don't want people to get them. Cause I've been around, the, I've been around some of the dogs that, well, I think it's just you don't want them to get if they were to get a Dutch Shepherd. Well, exactly, and you I think it's 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 also it's also just understanding that I am a professional and eat, sleep, and breathe dog behavior my whole life, and I have all the capabilities, resources, knowledge, experience, and skill sets at my fingertips to make that. If that dog wasn't even Lakota, my dog, in somebody else's hands, she'd probably be at the shelter. But I just make it look so easy because that's my job. It's like a black belt rolling with a white belt. You're like that's supposed to be easy. That's their job. That they have so much skill. That's their job. Well, when you have that skill, you look at a dog that typically, like, so my dog Luna, the brindle female, that's all over my Instagram. Like, neither one of my dogs were dogs I picked up. Hey, you liking my collar, by the way? I see. I see you using the e collar. You like it? Yeah, I was waiting. You never said anything. I know. <laughs> well, because I didn't use it for the first. I was just asking. Two years that I had it. So she's the one dog I've been using it on. Yeah, I saw I saw a dog. Yep, and I recently. wanted to, and it's crossed my mind more than a couple times in the past couple months. You like it? Yeah, cool. I do, I do. Um, especially, I like the um, the nick, like the continue, like the the pulse, continuous nick, because it reminds me of exactly. It's not da. It's tot 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 tot, and that's what I'm doing mechanically. So. Yes, absolutely. Dig that collar. But that dog, like my other one that came to me is like, there was a friend slash client. Let me help you out. And then I get the dog and they end up never leaving. And she's a perfect example. I mean, that dog's got a body count mm. of animals and she's tried to unalive a couple dogs. And unalive. Like, I like that word. She's, she's a handful. 
And so I was like, yeah, let me, I'll help. I'll try to help you out with her. And then very quickly I had her and I realized like, there's nothing I'm going to do to this dog that's going to change the outcome in their home. And luckily for all parties involved, long story short, they were like, do you want to keep her? Because as a trainer, I remember videoing this other trainer that I'm really close with. And, uh, I'm in the backyard with this dog like a weekend and I'm not doing anything fancy. I'm just working on some basic stuff to maybe make her be able to go back. Yeah. And I hadn't decided on what I was going to say. I'm like, just look at this dog. Look at the way this dog's behaving. Like the way she would shake certain things and the way she would interact with things. I'm like, I think this is a cool one. And the other trainer's like, I want to see what you do with that dog. Long story short, I end up keeping the dog. One of the most fun and quite honestly, people are so impressed like with her out because I mean, she will spit things out. Like we were talking earlier about that bar. Mm -hmm. Like, is it that I'm good or is it just I've done the fundamentals enough that like I recognize like the more drive the dog has to me, the easier it is. Mm -hmm. I just know how to use that drive. And I mean, she is like, it's experience. Amazing obedience. Yeah. Amazing with her work and her drive and all of that. But if I were to you take that and put that in a in a home that someone doesn't understand how to drive it, well, it's like an indie car. You know, like you can enjoy going fast in your Camry, maybe even your Nissan Maxima. Those things got a little pup for a sedan. And um, you get behind the wheel of like a Formula One car. Or heck, how about even a uh a, a, a challenger red line red eye? Even though they're automatic and they can't, they don't come in standard. That's still, you know, eight hundred going to the rear wheel. Maybe mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to get it around today in a little bit of slush on the road. Right. But you put it in the hands of someone who can, and they can do amazing things, and they'll make it look easy. It can block R.I.P. But yeah, exactly. That's that's what we do with dogs. It's exactly what we do with dogs, and it goes back to what we were talking about with finding the right breed. Yeah. Because that's what happens is people get dogs based off looks, which that's fine. Like you obviously want. A dog that you're like, oh, that's cute, or that's pretty, or that's handsome, or whatever. Like, you want a dog to look like, you don't want it to be like, oh, I hate that look of that dog. But don't get a dog based off of how big and scary they look, because you got to be a big and, like, don't pick that battle. That's it. If you're not naturally assertive, then that means you have to be OCD level management and understanding. Because I've known people, again, I used to run in some circles of some really high-end working dogs. Like back in your long hair days with your big oversized bite suit. Oh man. I love those pictures. A, a little bit after that, actually. Cool. Um we had like the do rag or like a bandana, is that it? Yep, a little bit after that. I was still <laughs> coming up. I was still earning my stripes. And then I got around some different people and got around some dogs that were just stuff you don't get to see. Mm. <laughs> and personalities and temperaments of dogs that the general public doesn't even know exists. Exactly, dude. Like dogs who aren't barking and growling. Like dogs like Mike Jones works with. Yeah. Yeah, these dogs are like dragons. They think they honestly are the biggest thing in the and you're not going to convince them otherwise. So with those dogs you film like a partnership with. And like if you're not super assertive to the point where you at least get a mutual respect with the dog cuz dogs like that like you're actually just going for mutual. It's 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 complete partnership. Yeah. There's not going to be a <clears throat> with them doesn't work that way. Yep. They don't work that way. You can still do it. You can still have some level of a functional life with them. If you are over, because I know people who have done it, like people who have actually been like, how does he have that dog? How does she have that dog? Because like, they're not that guy. 
She's not that girl. Yeah. How does she have that? And there's no problems. Well, because they are OCD about every movement the dog makes, every transition, every environment. So what they've done is they've strategized how to avoid conflict. Good. Because if there was conflict, they would lose every time. Yeah. Like, literally, these are the type of dogs we're talking about. You're going to lose. So they just create situations. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Like It works for them and the lifestyle they have. That, that's not gonna that's not the pet dog owner mm. and that's not why they got a dog these are people who typically are also doing sports with the dog they're doing activity so the dog is completely fulfilled in its very structured life because of the activities that the owner is doing the pet dog owner just wants to love life with a dog mm-hmm. like let's get back to that and so many trainers that are out there that have a working background like they often need to be reminded that their clients don't always want what they want yeah they just want to love life with one of the coolest exactly. species of animal ever in existence. Mm-hmm. And that might just mean being able to go to the bistro and have your dog with you or go to a park and have and not worry about anything and enjoy the world or be able to have your dog on the couch with you at night and watch a movie and it's not going to cause any problems. That's the life they want to live. Easy, yeah. So we're trying to find them a dog that's within that. It's not going to be that dog where they have to micromanage everything because that dog's got a personality where like you – yeah. You do. And then there's the other side of it where it's not a dog that's bringing a bunch of genetic nerve problems and they're just like scared of everything and you better really know what you're doing because, you know, with fearful dogs, the margin of error is like none. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's find that middle ground so that they can just enjoy life with a really cool animal. I love it. Let's end it on that note. Boom. I think it's a good one. Cheers, buddy. Dude. Cheers to your second Always. coffee. I'm proud of you. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening, everybody. Where can they find you? Instagram is the best place to find me at KD Matthews, one T in Matthews, or they can go to my website, Socratic K9. K9 is spelled out, and that's where we talk about my online programs. I work with dog owners literally all over the world, and as well as trainers, helping them with everything except for paid advertising. <laughs> Noted. I'll leave all the info in the description as well. Cool. Thank cool. you, buddy. Yeah, man. Cool. Thanks, guys. Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.